What is going on, everyone? This is Miles with Windows Central Gaming, and welcome to the 75th episode of Xbox Chatterdays. Today, I am stoked to be joined for the first time in a very long time by Carly Veloci, the gaming head of Windows Central, Android Central, and iMore. Carly, how are you doing on this fantastic Saturday? Saturday morning when I should be asleep. Yeah, bright and early. I'm not doing too bad. I'm not doing too bad. <laughs> Good. I know. I, every time I ask somebody on the West Coast, I almost feel bad because originally we structured this this time slot around Jez's schedule, Mr. UK, yeah, and then he stopped doing the show. And now I just have to ask people to get up early on Saturdays and hang out with me. So appreciate you setting that <laughs> alarm and getting up on a Saturday to talk about video games. Of, of course, anytime. I'm always happy, always happy to uh, talk about games some more. Yeah, it's it's a good week. We do have a lot to talk about. Some of it's yeah. We were be... we were worried when we first planned this, like, oh, there's not going to be anything to talk about. We're just going to be talking about Silent Hill for three hours. But as everyone <laughs> in the community knows, we're you know it's desperate out in those streets. People are hungry <laughs> for just some something juicy. People are really going above and beyond to try to create news, create stories. Mm -hmm create conversations but this week we have a decent amount some of it's yep. petty business news but we're gonna have some fun talking about that so we're gonna be diving into playstation and xbox's comments about the abk the activision blizzard king acquisition that is currently pending we're gonna be talking about square enix restructuring a little bit their plans to re reinvent their business after a a massive sale of some of their western studios we're going to be talking about the details on the long-rumored Xbox Game Pass family plan. We're going to be talking about Captaincy finally coming to Sea of Thieves and so much more. But before we get into all of that, for the amazing people joining us live on youtube.com slash Gaming or listening to audio services, let everyone know who you are, where they can find you, and most importantly, why you love video games. <laughs> That's a... Those are... A a large question yeah you know video games it's a good way to you know yeah introduce Why? yourself to the the crew the yeah it's... i will i will do that first at the very least um <laughs> i i am carly veloci um as miles said i am the head of gaming at windows central android central and imore um you can find me on twitter at veloci raptor which is just it's spelled, spelled like Velo velociraptor with an extra c in it and also, you can subscribe to Jiggle Physics, which is a podcast about video games. And then we also talk about cryptids sometimes for some reason. Because <laughs> um, why not? As why not? I like to say we're the only podcast on the internet that talks that is about both video games and cryptids. It's an um, important niche to cover in the space. Yeah, like they always say, like in the world of like internet online media, that touching upon that niche that nobody else is writing about is how you succeed so you know that's what we're doing uh, um but yeah i guess i my history with video games is interesting because i didn't super grow up with video games i had like you know i had a game boy mm -hmm. i had a playstation 2 and my my parents bought me kingdom hearts and gta 3 um, but the GTA 3 was for my dad. It wasn't for me. Um, and I tried to play it, um, but I don't think I really fully grasped the open worldness of it at 10 or 11. Um, and my and then like it was also just like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the video game. So <laughs> yes, a, a lot of mixed messages there. <laughs> um, but 
um i didn't really start getting really getting into video games until college and that was when i realized that like games could be like the cool medium that they are like i was sort of spoiled because like the first games i completed by myself were like bioshock arkham asylum and resident evil 4 some, um, of the, some of the greatest of all time. Yeah, tr truly. truly. Um, so it was like, I'm like, oh, video games, right? Like, what's this crazy video game stuff? So I just like kept going and going and going. And um, yeah, and, that, and then like over time, I learned about like the indie scene because I was in Boston at the time. And Boston has a very interesting video game industry and community because Irrational used to be there. Um, which made Bioshock. And then Ken Levine decided that he was done with Bioshock and just shut down the entire studio, which is a thing you can do when you're Ken Levine, I guess. Um, and so like you have just a whole bunch of these like indie devs and indie studios who were just like, oh, I used to work on Bioshock and now I don't know what to do anymore. So I'm just <laughs> going to make my own studio. Um, so like I got a lot of interesting experiences with indies and then it just kept rolling down that hill um escalating and just now i'm now i write about video games for a living so here we go here we yeah it's it's always cool to hear people's introduction and stories some people have the you know they started as a kid have played ever since but then there are cases like you where you started a little bit later but for a period of time video games weren't as highly regarded in the in in the entertainment industry as, as a medium that could deliver powerful stories and powerful experiences. It was just something for kids. That's what kids do. You're a silly kid. You're a dumb teenager. Play this video game, buy this video game. But yeah, especially in the modern landscape, that has changed so much. And like you touch on with the indies, there's a lot of great studios delivering some of the best stories in any medium through video games. And that's why I think a lot more people now are, are looking and we've seen this huge resurgence partly because of the pandemic. But in general, I think people are just have a greater understanding of what video games can do that traditional film and television can't. I mean, yes and no. I feel like we're still working on, um, I guess like, I, I always think about like, what can we do to make video games more mainstream? I mean, I, it's not necessarily like the most important thing ever to make video games mainstream, but I feel like video games still have this sort of like accessibility issue because mm -hmm. it's like, it's an expensive hobby. Um, you either need like an expensive console or an expensive PC. And I mean, like you can get a Nintendo switch or like a cheaper thing, but for a while you couldn't find anything really to play video games with, um, because of console shortages and the pandemic and supply chain stuff and all that. Um, and it's, it's hard to figure out where to start. Um, like <laughs> My sister, um, my poor sister, she was, she got a Nintendo Switch during the pandemic because of Animal Crossing. And she was asking friends like, oh, I really want to play like a story game. What game should I play? And for some reason, they were like, play Dark Souls. <laughs> a, a game with the most cryptic storytelling imaginable. And also just a game that you shouldn't play as your very first video game. Like I've played like, Animal Crossing and okay, sure. I'll jump straight into Dark Souls next. Exactly. And I was just, and like, she was telling my partner and I this, and we both work in video games, and we were just like, what? That's either <laughs> like, one I'm of her so one sorry. of her friends just trolling her super hard, or just know. being the diehard Souls person. We're like, you have to play Dark Souls. You have to. I have, you just I have, have no idea. It, but, it was 
that, so crazy. That's such dramatic whiplash to go from Animal Crossing <laughs> to Dark Souls as your first two games ever. Yeah, she was like, I didn't get it. I'm like, I understand. <laughs> like, I don't even like Souls games because I'm, I, I'm not like the kind of uh, player who likes to spend a really long time on just one boss. I like to sort of like keep going in a video mm -hmm. game. I like that sense of progression. So that's just like Souls games are just not really for me. Yeah, you, you um, hit that wall and it's just, it, I understand it gets frustrating at a certain point. You just, I want to be past this part, but this yes. part is just kicking my ass over and over. So this is not fun. Exactly. And I, like, even if I'm playing a normal game and there's a boss like that, like I'll usually do it for like maybe an hour and then I need like a 24 hour break. Cause I'm like, <laughs> just, I'm feeling the stress, you know? Yeah, I'm exhausted. I'm feeling stressed. Like I'm white. Like I'm white knuckling the controller, and <laughs> and I, and you're like, I'm just gonna keep getting worse. Like I'm just gonna keep making mistakes. So I'm just gonna put this down. It's gonna. I, I'm the opposite. I just like I buckle down. I sit there and I suffer through it. But I'm also <laughs> someone who like right before bed. We go online, we play some competitive matches of multiverses, some ranked Pokemon Unite, and I'm just sweating. I'm just sweating, you know, just invested in it. And then five minutes later, I'm like, all right, time for bed. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I'm an old fart and can't do that anymore because I'll be like, no, the screen is going to keep me up at night. So I, but I do, I do play like a dumb match three or something. So yeah, something a little more soothing. Yeah, I, I understand that the average person, you know, riles them up and then you're riled up and you're not going to really go to sleep. But, you know, I like exactly. that, that soothing beat down before bed. Just like to have my soul thoroughly crushed and then then I can wind it down, wrap it up. For yeah. the day. Exactly. Like I need to listen to like my podcast about like some horrible thing that happened in the past. Yeah. Um, and as I play a dumb match theory and then I fall asleep. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> I like to read current events. The, I like to look at the breaking news and play competitive video games right before bed. That's that's what soothes <laughs> me. Miles, are you okay? <laughs> that that's a that's a separate podcast episode in of itself. <laughs> the Are You Okay podcast. Are you okay? Are you are any of us really okay? Oh, yeah, like the podcast, every episode's really short because the person comes on, she goes, no, and then the podcast is over. No, okay, well, we're not going to dive into it, but thanks for coming <laughs> on. See you next week, everyone. Exactly. All right, Um, appreciate you sharing your insights. Appreciate you sharing your uh, experience with gaming. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some of the developments this week, starting with a little boost to the Xbox Series S's performance. As part of the June de game development kit update with Xbox, the team at Xbox has confirmed that there will be hundreds of megabytes more available to the, to, to the available RAM on the Series S that has normally been allocated for the operating system. So for some context here, the Series X has 16 gigabytes of RAM with 13 and a half available for games, and the Series S had 10 total with eight dedicated to games. So I know in your situation, the Series S is your primary console. So mm -hmm. as you've played games over the course of the last two years, how have you felt about its overall performance, having it be your main Xbox device? Honestly, no complaints. Um, I mean, granted, Xbox did a really good job ensuring that the Series S and the Series X are extremely similar. Like the only real difference is sort of like a bit in image quality. Uh, video quality, I should say, um, and then the disk drive. And that's kind of really it. Um, so I've never really had any issues with performance on the Series S. Um, I played a bunch of different kinds of games and never really seen anything weird. I mean, besides like stuff that like just happens with games. Mm -hmm. um, 
like you know playing halo infinite and like the quick um was it the quick start um doesn't really quite work because that was a thing for a while with halo infinite but yeah like generally speaking i've never really had any issues with the series s um it's it's a great little console and it was great when we were trying to figure out like okay we need to buy the PS5 and the Series S because both my partner and I are in video games. So we need every single console. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, the Series S is a really good looking thing and it's cheaper. Like, by all means, I'm going to go for that. Yeah, that's the the beauty of that device is that price point. Because like you touched on earlier, price is a barrier for a lot of people, especially on the console side. And the reality is the average person will never pay $500 for a game console. The people yep. in the space who need it will. The people who want that premium experience will. But you, you, I hit up my 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 sister, and I'm trying to convince her to to spend money on the Series X, and she's like, five hundred bucks? I don't, I can't swing that. And it's that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. So that price point is enticing. And I've also been pretty impressed. I have the Series X in my office, and that's my main device. But in our living room, where my wife and I play together, we have the Series S out there. And mm. when Elden Ring was out. Uh, we had a friend staying with us and we let them stay in our uh, office while they were staying in town. Um, so I had to play Elden Ring on the Series S. And I was a little worried because that was like one of the big games that even on the Series X, your frame rate wasn't locked at 60. It was a very demanding, powerful experience. So I was a little leery. I was a little worried that Elden Ring would be kind of miserable on the Series S. But that being said, the frame rate, sure, it did drop, you know, every now and then but it wasn't dramatic it wasn't miserable and i was really impressed all how on a surface level just a quick glance there wasn't this huge difference between what i was used to on the series x and the series s and i was able to have a great experience with this huge game so i'm excited that microsoft thought about that price point and you know didn't cater exclusively to the premium experience and offered something that kind of is more appealing to a wider audience so, uh, somewhat uh, wider because there are a lot of people who still won't pay $300 for a console, but it's definitely better, especially when like the pandemic happened mm-hmm. and people were like, I don't like I'm losing. There's jobs are being lost all over the place. People can't go to work. And so it was really nice to have like options for people. Yeah. And that was the case. And they leaned into Xbox all access where you can basically, you know, 25 bucks, you can get a series S and game pass ultimate. So essentially 25 bucks and you have hundreds of games in a new console. I think that that is also a smart move that, again, breaks down some of those initial barriers for some people. Again, there's the whole credit check thing, that whole side of it. You are, uh, you know, basically putting something on your credit card. But it is, again, another option for folks who want it. Yeah, so when they announced uh, this uh, a game development kit update, um, which I guess for most people won't really mean anything because it's just like it's in the development kit. Um, it's mostly for... Um, you know, obviously developers, but it shows that Xbox is thinking about the long term, right? Because like right now, like the Series S is fine. Um, it's great even. Like I've never had any issues. But as games continue to get larger and larger, and you know that's going to continue, um, because they have to keep topping itself, and they have mm-hmm. to keep being more photorealistic. They have to keep having more features and all this stuff. So. It's like a good long-term investment because as games get more complicated, even the Series X is going to start struggling, you know, years down the line, especially towards the end of the console generation because that's what happens with consoles. Like, like you get the first uh, 
first iteration of like some sort of console at the start of the generation and by the end it can barely run things mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's it was really smart to just like get on this like sort of early i mean i don't actually know if it's early by regular standards but it seems at least a good investment yeah it shows that microsoft is clearly trying to keep everyone happy not just the customers but the developers as well yeah. which is really important if developers don't like your ecosystem they don't like your dev kit they're, they they're not going to want to port things in a lot of cases and maybe they just won't so it is smart of xbox to make sure that the developers have the tools they need because we did hear some interesting you know speculation from developers ahead of the xbox series x and s launch where certain developers were coming out and saying that the xbox series s would quote hold back next gen ahead of this mm -hmm. launch and again i don't have all of the context for how the kit works what the specifications are for the future of video game development but there were people within the industry who had concerns about the limitations. So Xbox really needs to be proactive when it comes to things like super resolution. And then in this case, boosting the available RAM so that in a lot of cases, as we move into games that will not be able to play on your Xbox one, which is going to be very, very soon. It'll yep. be, that'll be the true test of, okay, how does the series S really stack up now that these games don't work on an Xbox one at all? Yeah. And I mean, we can probably guess what's going to happen. Like the Series S and the Series X are going to, you know, start showing their age. And then Xbox is probably going to uh, release some sort of like mid-gen console update, you know, the Series, I don't know, the Series X Pro. I don't know. Yeah, I don't let, know. let me pick your brain on this. Because when they first announced the Series X, the Series S, and they were talking about all access, this two-year subscription type plan, my my brain immediately went to the cell, the cell phone model, our mobile mm -hmm. phone model and how that works. So with that being said, do you think the reason they transitioned to Series X and S is so when they have these new iterations and they're not necessarily a full console refresh, but a new updated version, do you think they're going to go numerical? We're going to have the X2, the S2, and that's how they'll do it? I mean, to be fair, Xbox has never really been known for having really good naming conventions. So what are you talking <laughs> about? Xbox 360? So that means they essentially went nowhere. They did one full rotation and, uh, and nothing yeah, happened? I, yeah, so we had like Xbox and we had the Xbox 360. And everyone's like, oh, we're going to get Xbox 720. And they're like, no. No, the, the third one is going to be called the Xbox One. Because it's <laughs> and the all-in-one like entertainment system, y'all. And don't you remember how, like, at the start of the console, this console cycle, it was like, okay, so you did the Xbox One X and then the Xbox Series X. And people were confused as to which one was the new one and which one was the old one, because those names are very similar. And then, like, and then, of course, you get, like, oh, it's, like, Xbox Sex, you know, like, just, like, yeah. it, they're very easy to make fun of. So, yeah, I mean, like, like PlayStation has one, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, and then Xbox is, like, they're probably next going to jump to like colors. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, Do the check out the Xbox blue. Ad adopt the Pokemon model. Have exactly <laughs> Xbox diamond and pearl. It, that's it, that is exactly what I was thinking, too, was Pokemon, because, you know, with um, the Scarlet and Violet new trailer this week, of course, like Pokemon's on the mind. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're going to jump to like xbox uh sun and moon xbox diamond and pearl they're gonna like, have it so like if you want to play this game you need the xbox diamond but you can trade <laughs> trade the game with your friend who has an xbox platinum console oh my god can you like i know exclusivity is always like this thing in the games industry like uh 
companies go back and forth on whether it's important to have exclusivity. And can you imagine? It's like, oh, well, you need Xbox Sun to play Halo Infinite 2, and then you need the Xbox uh, Moon to play Halo Eternity, or I don't know. <laughs> well, like they're, uh... they're, they're two different versions of the same game, but like, I don't know. Master Chief has like blue armor in this one and green. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. I mean, I don't see Xbox doing that, but we got to be careful. Yep. If Nintendo <laughs> hears that idea, oh, we can release two different consoles with exclusive exclusive content. Now we're getting somewhere. I, you know what? I wouldn't put it past Nintendo because Nintendo's always trying new stuff. So who who knows? Like yeah, that's like. Whatever you say about Nintendo, they're always experimenting, which is why you get stuff like the Wii U, and you're just like, wow, that was, that was, that was uh, a mess. <laughs> but the Wii U, as mediocre as it was, that gave us the Switch. Exactly. That weird experiment created the Switch, which is just a phenomenon, and such a it completely changed the way a lot of people want to experience games. So, yes, mm -hmm. sometimes they experiment like and it's bad, but other times, you know, we get something really cool. Yeah, like I feel like without the Switch, we wouldn't have gotten like mm. Xbox Cloud Gaming or Xbox uh, Game Pass because, you know, you had like, you know, the Switch being this hybrid console and now Xbox can go ahead and have like games on every platform. So it's almost like hybrid gaming. Um, all Xbox needs now is its, um, you know, cloud exclusive handheld, which mm -hmm. I know has been like sort of the rumors have been going around for a while that this is something they're working on and other companies are working on cloud handhelds as well. So, I mean, started this whole thing. Yeah. Again, removing some of those barriers for price. Some people, mm -hmm. again, you can play on your phone. In my experience, I, as someone who is used to the console experience, used to the, the physical controller, the phone is fine in a lot of cases, but it really does not, it's not a gr good enough substitute fine. for me. Yeah, it's it's fine in a pinch. I can be sitting, you know, wherever DMV airport and I can play something via cloud. And that's the only time I'll ever do it. And cool. It's a cool option. But if they really lean into that service that they're clearly spending a lot of time and energy and resources to build up to be great. And they give you a dedicated device that gives you the best possible experience. I think, yeah, I think people would pay a hundred bucks for that. Oh, absolutely. Because Xbox Game Pass is like an extra. I mean, we're on Xbox chatter days of course like we all sort of look at xbox game pass and are just like this is a wild thing um mm -hmm. like the like i know some people are like i'm not really playing games on it even though it gives me a lot of games and that's fine and like i personally can go like a couple of months without playing a game on it but then it's like oh there's a game i really want to play and it's on xbox game pass so i can just like but like i wasn't sure if it was something i'd be interested in so it's a great way to even like try out games and there's a lot of options and with the, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, the Activision Blizzard um, acquisition, there's only going to be more games on it. So, yeah, like, and that's my, uh, my story that I always use for Xbox Game Pass is Forza Horizon. I had never played a Forza game. Yeah. I would never spend $60 on a Forza game like previously. Like, I had no interest in that. And Forza Same, Horizon, yeah. I saw the trailer, I saw the, what was it, the land boat, and I was like, oh, this looks wild. <laughs> this looks interesting. And I was able to play it. And and I ended up spending a lot of time. I really got sucked in. It's really into, good. Yeah, I really got sucked in. And so when Forza Horizon 5 came around, I was like, let's go. Day one, <laughs> I'm going to be there. I'm a Forza guy now. <laughs> Yeah, like I was playing Forza Horizon 5 because I have a backbone controller. So I just like threw my iPhone in there. I was playing Forza like on the couch. 
Um, and it's like, I would never have done that if I didn't have Xbox Game Pass because I'm not a racing game person. But Forza is, it, I mean, granted, Forza is a different kind of racing game. It's more of like a racing sandbox. But yeah, still. that's that's more of I'm I used to be the hardcore Gran Turismo guy on mm -hmm. PS1. Loved the nice. I loved earning my driver's license and licenses in a video game, which sounds <laughs> To an average person, that sounds so lame. I got my li driver's license in Grand Tour. Dude, this is why up. people like Sims. Yeah. You know, I can drive <laughs> a truck in video games and and look. And it's like, I love watching the people who have like the whole like truck setup. Oh, and they're, the, the and they're just playing Yes. And they're just playing Euro Truck Simulator. And they're not even like doing anything crazy. They're just like driving on the road like it's a normal road. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, games are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's yeah. Power Wash Simulator somehow became yes. a phenomenon. I was making fun of that game so hard ahead of launch because it's just such a such a weird concept. Nobody mm -hmm. in real life would ever care to power wash their own yard, their own driveway, let alone yep. power wash in a video game. But here we are, one of the best reviewed games of the year. <laughs> a ton of people just sinking dozens and dozens of mm -hmm. hours into a game where you are literally power washing. And that is to be fair, to be fair, like I will sometimes watch like um carpet or rug cleaning TikToks. Yes, or, it's that kind of it's endlessly satisfying. Soothing. Yeah. It's soothing. You're just like, oh, look at all the dirt come off. Look at oh, it. Yeah. It's a completely <laughs> different thing now. Like you're just like, oh. Uh so I do get the appeal. I did play it for a bit. I was having a good time cleaning up this mini golf course. So I do get the appeal. <laughs> all right. I'm not gonna fault anyone for enjoying it. I I totally understand the appeal. If they ever made a Dr. Pimple Popper game my wife would be all about that because she's always showing me the videos like oh, look at this one. Not. look at this i'm like I guess that's so gross but it's so those gross. videos are huge people love it because it gets that satisfying thing like that's not supposed to be in your skin oh look it's coming out of your skin yeah so i understand the you know the desire for it but different strokes Ooh. for different folks i i guess so i i know that people are really into pimple popping but it's the grossest thing ever to me <laughs> mm -hmm. same same boat <laughs> Speaking of Xbox Game Pass, Windows Central had previously reported on the possibility of an Xbox Game Pass family plan um, for up to five family members. Thanks to some insider testing via Colombia and Ireland on the Xbox side, we not only got official confirmation that this is something in the works, but we got some more details about where, what it supports, the limitations, and the pricing. So the fundamentals of this program is you and up to four other people in your family can get Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and all of its perks. And you can get that for $25 a month, essentially. But the, the price that we have right now is 21.99 euros, which comes out to about 25 bucks. And so for people who are subscribed to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, like myself, you know it's $15 a month normally. So you do the math there, you're saving roughly, if you get the full five people, you're saving 50 bucks a month for this group. So it is a really good deal. Um, I'm already kind of coordinating my my fast and furious family for this. So we can, you know, I have, I know five people who are already signed up for Xbox game pass ultimate. We're definitely going to be taking advantage of this pending oh, yeah. any restrictions. But right now I will say the restrictions in place for these two markets are just has to be in the same country. And I'm, I assume it'll be very similar when it rolls out to the United States. So as long as you're in the same country, you're good to go, baby, you're golden. Nintendo switch the family plan, same way. Anyone within the United States, you can add to the plan. So a couple of questions for you on this, now that we have some details. First, do you, does this do anything for you? Does this fit your current needs at all? And secondly, 
Will this move the needle for Xbox Game Pass adoption? Um, first, not for me personally, only because um, a lot of my friends, which I guess you can say is like, like you said, the Fast and Furious family that I have, because everybody, family. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's their found family. Like it's exactly. not your blood family, but they're, they're very important to you. Um, they're more like Switch players and PC players. Um, they're not really like console players for, um, for pricing reasons. Um, so probably not for me. Um, and like, it's the only person I share my plan with is my partner. And he just like goes on his Xbox account because we share an Xbox and just plays whatever. So doesn't appeal to me personally, but it's a great option to have. Um, I feel like with, so everything's a subscription service now, right? Yep. Um, there's a billion streaming services, you know, every, games um company large game company is gonna have its own subscription service like ubisoft has its own you got nintendo playstation like everybody's got their own subscription service so anything any of those subscription services can do to make it easier to get in on one i think is the best thing to do and xbox um has always been like just get in our ecosystem and we're good you know like xbox mm -hmm. could be charging more for game pass it could be charging more for a lot of its services but its priority has always been just getting people into the ecosystem, which is very smart um, because, you know, that's long-term investment. Um, so this is just another facet of that. And I think it's not really for a ton of people, but it's going to be helpful for a lot of people because um, it's going to decrease the just can decrease the amount that you need to pay in order to get in. And then you can be like, I'm going to share it with my friends and they can try it out. Or like, I'm going to share it with, you know, my family members, like my actual blood relatives and they can try it out. And, mm -hmm. um, and even if it's just like a bunch of people get on Xbox game pass so that it's cheaper, like that, that helps Xbox that helps the consumer. So I think it's only a good plan and it's not, it's not really like, you know, going to hurt Xbox at all to have this option. No, I think it's a really great way to, like you said, expand. If you if you have a family family member like myself, the the obnoxious guy who's like, you haven't tried Xbox Game Pass, <laughs> your life will be fundamentally changed the moment you experience the magic of Xbox Game Pass. You've never and, played Halo. What is wrong with you? Here, play a Halo. Yeah, because my my brother, he's a, he's a hardcore PC gamer, but he doesn't care about Game Pass. Um, and so that would be, again, if I got this family panel, I would just add him like, here you go, dude. All right. Just mm -hmm. stop saying it. Oh, it's not on steam. So I'm not going to play it. Just download it, dude. Just, just <laughs> download it. And then in my situation, I have two Xboxes and you can do the, the home console thing, which is, which mm -hmm. is fine. But then again, if there's an internet outage or whatever, that means my main console in my bedroom is just unusable. It's just a, mm -hmm. just a brick that I can't use. And so this would allow me to add both consoles to that and not have to worry about which That's one is connected, too, yeah. which one's the home console technically. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of great benefits from this. And like you said, with Xbox's push to get people in the ecosystem, there's a lot of data that shows once they're in, in a lot of cases, and once they're playing games on Game Pass, they're more willing to spend money, whether it be on mm -hmm. new games or microtransactions or whatever the case might be, because you have that, I guess, habit of of going it's online. It's also just like being comfortable. Like Apple's been doing this for, I don't even know how long now, two decades, where they just like, if you buy into our ecosystem, you get all these products and services and you don't need to leave our ecosystem because everything just works together. And Microsoft has been trying to do this for a while now, like, you know, Windows 8 
was this like attempt to have like an OS that works across platform and it didn't quite work because nobody wanted a Windows tablet. Um, although surfaces are a thing now, but still like the tablet market's still primarily Apple, but this is like their version of that because they understand that like, as long as you're in the ecosystem, you're willing to then look at products more mm-hmm. in that ecosystem. Like Marty that's here, where you let me first. browse the store. Yeah, like exactly. I- and like, if you do it right, then like all of that stuff works together very easily. You know, you don't have to worry about like, cause like the you pe- most people, not gonna say most people, a lot of people are PC people, but like, you know, there's not as much connectivity between like your Windows PC and your Android phone as much as there is between a Mac and your iPhone. Yeah. So, so the more products Microsoft can get in, in its ecosystem, the more people are gonna stick around and just like use that stuff. So it's only going to benefit them and it, Apple shows that it works and it's a good long-term thing as well because Apple's been doing it for, I don't even know when the first iPhone came out. I think it's been 20 years at this point, 15 you, years. I don't know. I don't know time. It, it's yeah, irrelevant anymore, but then you can, you know, you have your family, your, your family designate. This is an Xbox household now. All right. <laughs> we have the Xbox family plan. Oh, this, this guy's coming in my house with a PlayStation shirt. No son. Move along. <laughs> So, um, two of my friends, um, just recently had, um, two children, like one is one and a half and one is like three weeks old and we, and they're like huge nerds. Like my, one of my friends is like, he, he's the one who like showed me Silent Hill 2 for the first time. You know, he, he just built himself like a huge PC with like a 3090 in it, like just huge nerd stuff. And we always joke that like the kids are going to end up being jocks. (laughs) Um, it's like. Like my parents dad, are nerds. I'm going to work out. This this is lame. Yeah, like like dad, I want to play football, and it's like the worst tragedy it's, that could befall this family. You know, like I'm gonna play son. lacrosse. <laughs> like like no, not lacrosse. So yeah, I mean, like I can just see that happening with PlayStation as well because it's like no, <laughs> it's funny, and We're I play God of War in this household. How dare in, you? In hindsight, you know, I'm grateful for my household growing up. We had a very console agnostic household so i had the xbox my sister had the playstation my brother had mm-hmm. the gamecube you know we were we were phil spencer's message of unity and and coming together <laughs> there was no console wars um but yeah it's, it's just this is the future liberals want <laughs> makes me sick Ugh. all right console <laughs> wars until we all implode all right oh my god <laughs> i i understand the console wars but like i'm also like fairly platform agnostic like i feel like all the platforms have their own strengths and weaknesses and that's why i have all of them um but xbox has just been like with xbox game pass and cloud gaming and the fact that i can like also do like play these games on my pc if i don't want to sit at my xbox like it's truly like they've been killing it yeah and that's and that's what's exciting because again there was a period of time where you could look at xbox and say eh like there's not anything that they're doing that I necessarily need in my life as a gamer or whatever. But now I look at the Xbox ecosystem, its value, the games that it's offering. And I understand, I don't expect everyone to buy every console. That is yeah. not realistic for so many people. And I'm very grateful to have all the consoles and I try not to take that for granted. But I don't see how anyone can look at Xbox and say nothing interests me right now. I think if you do like gaming, Xbox understands how to pull people in and that's why their strategy and the amount of games that they're offering is so diverse because they understand that right now in this climate, 
more and more people are willing to dip their toes in and see if see if it's worth investing. And I think that's where stuff like Game Pass comes in because you can try a bunch of games. You can try an ecosystem essentially for 10, 15 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. I mean, it depends on the gamer, right? Because like there are a lot of people who are perfectly happy with playing the same game for six months. Yep. So yeah. I they feel buy like their Call of Duty and they're good. Yeah, so I feel like there are definitely some people that like Xbox Game Pass wouldn't be good for because it's like I'm just gonna play I don't know like um is gonna play Chronicles three for the next six months you know like because that is a thing people are doing now because that game caught uh takes at least a hundred hours to just complete the story um so yeah there are definitely but like that's goes back to the family plan because like if you know somebody with Xbox Game Pass and you get in on the family plan you can just you pay like if it's $25 a month for like five people, that's, I don't know, math, um, five, five no. bucks. Yeah. yeah five, yes, bucks. five bucks per month. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, I can do this. I can do this. I'm a writer, not a mathematician. Um, but yeah, like, so it's even cheaper to get in on that in case like, you're like, Hey, I want to do this. Cause like, I'm, I'm the same way with like Nintendo switch online. Like I don't have Nintendo switch online, but I'm on a friend's family plan. So it's like a couple of bucks per year. And I can yeah. use it if I want. Like it decreases like your need to keep using this system that you're paying money for. Cause if you're paying 15 bucks a month for a system that like you only really use a couple times a year, like I get it. Like you're not gonna wanna like continue paying 15 bucks a month, especially when, like I said before, 10,000 other subscription services you gotta pay into. Like mm -hmm. I need to pay $15 a month for Netflix. I need to pay um I, yeah. I forget how much playstation plus is but like say you have a playstation as well um because yeah, so, i have the playstation plus i have nintendo switch online and i have xbox mm -hmm. game pass ultimate and so yeah that that in of itself is expensive yeah so like a family plan is only going to make that cheaper so like i think yeah i think if there are people who are like i'm gonna play i don't know what because it's hard to say like also yeah, that's the other thing, right? Like this year, like Xbox isn't going to really have another like really big triple A release. Yeah. Um, there's going to be stuff on Xbox Game Pass for sure. And Xbox, like, you know, like there's going to be Call of Duty um, coming out. Um, I keep joking in our meetings about October and that is that, that continues to be a thing because October is like every single game besides like Pokemon and God of War is coming out in October. And then those things are coming out like two in the later. first two weeks of November. Exactly. So like, so there's definitely games coming out and then there's like a ton of like really great small games. Like I just played Citizen Sleeper through Xbox Game Pass and that game's incredible. Um, or like Unpacking, I just recently played. That's an Xbox Game Pass. So what remains yeah, of Edith Finch, one of the greatest video games oh that has God. ever been made, is an Xbox Game Pass. I love, this is a whole other conversation, <laughs> but I love how um, What Remains of Edith Finch has now a current-gen version. Like, you didn't need a current-gen version of What Remains of Edith Finch. Like, you don't need that game to run at 60 FPS, you know? But, but they it's did just it. another reason for me to... You, harass people who haven't played it yet you haven't exactly. played it come on dude it's in game pass it's now 4k 60 because i've had people say like oh it's not 60 i don't want to play it i'm like stop just take two hours treat yourself to two hours of just that grueling narrative yeah. just oh it's yeah but we could have a whole conversation about yeah. how like a lot of game studios now are just like continuing to port their games into newer consoles like i mean we, we always joke about how they're going to be releasing skyrim until the end of time but 
it I works mean, hey, or like gta what? 5 uh being released on every console until the end of time until gta 6 so but yeah that's a whole other thing yeah. but in conclusion i think in the conclusion we got off on like a couple of like semi-related but not quite related tangents but in general, I think the family plan is only going to be a good thing. And like, it's not for everybody, but it's only going to help people who might not want to pay 15 bucks a month for Xbox Game Pass, get in on it, or at least check it out. And of course, it's better for actual families who, and things like that. So it's yeah, only I, a good thing. Yeah, I really think that is what they're looking at when they when they talk about this family plan. There will be people like me who have the friend group and we we use it and that's cool. But... There are going to be, this is going to be a deciding factor, I think, for some families. Because if you're a, mm -hmm. a, a household and you have these options, you have the PlayStation ecosystem, you have Nintendo, you have Xbox, and one of them is letting all of your family members in this household play all of these games for this price, for 25 bucks a month. Whereas, mm -hmm. let's say you have three Nintendo Switches. Um, you have the family plan. The family plan there does not include any games, really. Every now and then there'll be a random free online s Switch game. Well, but I mean, there's like the expansion pass, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, the retro and it's, games. Um, 80 bucks per year, I think, right now. And you get like the the DLCs for a lot of games mm -hmm. and the uh, the um, the N64 and Sega Genesis games. So there is stuff in there, but of course that's more than the base Switch online exactly service. exactly and so again that's going to be a factor as families are having these conversations and trying to figure out what makes the most sense because that's like we have two switches in my household i have one and my wife has one but when mm -hmm. we want to play games together i'm used to the xbox ecosystem where i buy the game and i can we can both play it grounded yeah even 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 if i don't buy the game if it's on game pass we can both play that game and yeah. with switch if we both want to play this game we're dropping 120 bucks to i play know, this yeah. game and that's that re honestly restricts the number of games that I'm willing to buy because uh, 120 games bucks are is 120 bucks. That's games that's are nothing. expensive. I get it. Like even like I even sometimes worry about like paying 60 bucks for a game because, you know, like I have a job and I can afford $60 games, but I, like I've got other stuff to deal with. I don't have I can't just drop $60 every time there's a game that's at least vaguely interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um And I mean, like current events right now, just to say like, you know, inflation's skyrocketing, like, you know, people aren't spending as much. Um, yeah, I will say my rent deals? in the last two years has gone up $700 per oh month. Oh my God. So that has <laughs> dramatically impacted the number of games that I can or will buy. And I yeah. know that I'm not the only person in that situation. So mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of factors. And I always see people say like, oh, gaming's an expensive hobby which is true, but I don't like when people say, well, don't play it. A lot of yes. these companies like Microsoft are looking at ways that, okay, we understand that $60, $70 games are going to restrict the number of people playing, but what if we have another option that still gives us our recurring revenue, but allows people to get in and play games? And I think yeah. that's the Recurring main reason revenue. they're evaluating how to expand Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, and like Xbox is smart in that, like, you know, like when they do their financials, right? Like they'll be like, oh, we made this much in net revenue compared to this time last year. But like more importantly, and I feel like more companies are adopting this as well. You focus on how many people downloaded your game, how many people played it, like how many users you have. It's not necessarily about like how much money you made, but how many people are using your services. And Xbox Game Pass is primed for that because like, you know, you, you know, you're not spent, like you said earlier, and this is true. They've shown that like people who 
pay for Xbox Game Pass Wolf and then buy the game separately. Um, but even still, like that doesn't really matter because they can say we've got, I don't actually know what the stats are, but like we have 30 million people in Xbox Game Pass and subscriptions are only going up. It's like what Netflix does when they only focus on like the number of subscriptions versus mm-hmm. how much money. So that's only, it's only just gonna, like Xbox Game Pass is only just going to continue doing that. And Family Plan is just going to get more people into this, into the system, which means then they can report more people using Xbox Game Pass. So it's a win-win for everyone. Exactly. Exactly. And Microsoft, again, I know people are concerned, like, well, how did they make money? You know, how does that all work? And hardly anyone else has the backing of Microsoft. And mm-hmm. Microsoft, as we can see quarter over quarter, doesn't currently have an issue making money. Um, so I think nope. that's what allows them the flexibility to be more aggressive where some companies just can't it is it is hard it is expensive it is a huge risk to build a subscription service those things yeah. are all true as we're seeing with recent shakeups in the and the film and, and television uh, oh, God. sector but when we look at microsoft and xbox sure five years maybe we'll need to reevaluate it but at least in the interim they have that you know that's just constant massive stream of money coming from the microsoft business because xbox mm-hmm. while an important sector of the business really is only a small slice of the overall microsoft mm-hmm. yeah microsoft has so much you know we got laptops um we got the sur- we got surfaces specifically we got the os um mm-hmm. xbox um just so much like microsoft is a it's a conglomerate it's a corporation so you know the um, more the more little the more services they have the more money they're going to make and xbox makes a ton of money so it's not even that big of an issue regardless um like yeah. with ne- with Netflix, it was always like, how are they making money just through <laughs> subscriptions? And it turns out it was just through subscriptions. Um, but Xbox has got other stuff. So it's not just subscriptions. And I think people just don't really think about like how much money they actually make if like 10 million people have pay $15 a month for an Xbox Game Pass subscription. So I think that's a whole other thing. But yeah, and that's why we're seeing folks like PlayStation and other companies evaluate how do I get more recurring revenue per month? Because mm-hmm. It is a huge risk when you spend $500 million to make a game. That game yes. takes five, six years to make, and you're not making any money on that game at all until it is out the door. That is mm-hmm. scary. That is, yeah. that is why the, people like, push that desire, and we're seeing you know, PlayStation go up to 70 bucks because they need, to re, they need to recoup those costs and quick so they can put those costs into developing the next game. Mm-hmm. And Eventually, as games get more and more expensive, that's not going to be sustainable. That can't be the only way that you make money. Yeah, at some point, the bubble's going to burst because games are just getting more and more expensive. I mean, this is why like a lot of games are going into live service, because that's a way to recoup money over time, you know, instead of just like having like a one and done release. Um, Games are trying everything to make money. I mean, because games are expensive. You can have a well-received game, but it costs $500 million to make in like six years and you don't recoup those costs or Mm -hmm. you don't recoup as much as you thought. Um, So yeah, games are expensive. They're only going to keep getting more expensive. Like the fact that we're only just now getting $70 games is questionable Um, because they should have been $70 a long time ago, which is what, you know, a lot of analysts are saying, like, like game prices had, had not gone up for a very long time when they should have been and now we're getting $70 games and people are really hesitant to pay yeah, $70. The, the reality game. is 
it doesn't matter what it is. Nobody wants to pay more for anything. No, exactly. nobody is stoked to pay. You always see the people online talking about, oh, well, so and so on Twitter said he was happy to pay seventy. No, no, no one wants to pay more for anything. That's just not the reality. And that's why, as we've waited longer and longer and longer and longer, and people have gotten so accustomed and used to that sixty dollars price tag, I think that is why the seventy dollars price tag is such a conversation right now. Is because people are ah. so used to it, and they're seeing companies make record profit, and they're saying. You know, you are making more money than you ever have. Do you need mm -hmm. to raise the price? And so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like, there's like a billion complicated things why, like, even if they are making more money, like, that still might not be what that company wants. I mean, granted, like, investors are going to be investors, you know, like, they're going to be like, well, you did not make as much money as you should have made this year. So, we're going to do a lot of layoffs or we're going to you know, pull our money, because that's what's happening a lot right now with um, inflation and the in incoming recession, because it's like, oh, no, things are, nobody's spending as much, we got to pull our money. Um, so there's like a billion things that can go into like, okay, like this company made this much money, what does that mean? Um, for that, for the long term, what does that mean for me, the person who just like, buys their product. Exactly. Exactly. Because again, um, investors, yeah. you promised me 85% return on this investment within two years. Yes. We're, we're at 35%. I'm out. I'm pulling out. Exactly. I'm done. I'm taking what I've, what I've gained. And then they're scrambling because they're banking on that investment. They're banking on that money. In some cases, they've already spent that money on something. Exactly. And now they're like, oh my God, sorry. Um, we have to lay off a hundred people. Exactly. And that's not even going into like like, like we've said before, like games are massive projects and we see it's so many games all the time getting canceled or getting delayed or like they have to start over because like making a game is really hard. Like it, it takes like it can, you know, you can make a game with five people, but like if you're making like a Call of Duty, you need hundreds, thousands of people to make those games. And that's a lot of people to pay. It's a lot of people to like manage like th things can break down so easily and the fact that we get games at all is a miracle yeah in, that's in the more the longer that i've worked in the industry and the more developers i've talked to that's basically what i understand is that the fact that any game ever releases ev mm -hmm. in any state is just an absolute miracle i love developer stories when they're like like they, they take like what is generally a very simple thing to the player and they're like, this took me five months to do. And I had to make a invisible rat that would run around on a treadmill to make this in an in-game clock that would, you know, do this thing. And you only see like a little bit of it. Like it's like game development's wild. And this game didn't even boot two weeks before the launch. Like exactly. Like I boot the game for some reason, the main character just spins in a circle for eternity. Like games are, oh, it's wild. Yeah. I mean, granted, like, I feel like um, there's a whole discussion again to be had about games that release in states that probably you shouldn't have released them in. But generally speaking, like yeah, games are really expensive. They're really hard to make. Um, I think in the next five years, we're going to be seeing even more changes and strategies to figuring out like, okay, how are we going to make this money back? How are we going to get more players in? And I do think something is my burst at some point. Um, yeah. I'd be really surprised if it didn't, especially for games like Call of Duty, which we're going to talk about. Um, but it hasn't happened yet, but it's 
going to. And I feel like users just sort of, I'm not going to say have to deal with it because that's kind of mean, but it's going to happen and just got to wait and see, but you can't really like. See how it impacts us on the day to day. Exactly. And, and again, we've gone off like talking about game pass family plan which is so funny because it's such a small thing compared to like what we've been talking about uh, <laughs> yep but yeah in general any any way you can get people to play games is is the best thing because yeah games are just going to get more and more expensive mm-hmm. uh yeah you need you need people to play games you need people to buy your battle passes you need people to keep spending money time and time again so that way when you're working on this next project and it needs to get delayed And you have Mm -hmm. to have the hard conversation and say, damn, this is not what it needs to be. We need to start over. You're not just out hundreds of millions of dollars and the the project just has to go away, which is, I think, kind of the flexibility that Xbox Game Studios has right now. Because you hear people talk about Everwild, Perfect Dark, the the quote-unquote development hell. The reality is, if this was 10 years ago, dead. Those games are dead. Those games mm-hmm. are not getting continued support. They're shutting them down. Phantom Dust, the most infamous <laughs> example that I use, that's what happened. They had this mm-hmm. slice. The slice wasn't what they wanted. And they said, peace, we're not giving you any more money to do this. And that's- I mean, that's what happened recently with the Knights of the Old Republic remake. Um, it's delayed indefinitely because the slice, which was- the developers were pretty proud of, wasn't what uh, they wanted. So mm-hmm. that game is shelved. It's rough out there in the street. We just saw it with the ba- the Batgirl cancellation. All you know, oh people spend years of their lives, and then nope, we're not going to put this out. Sorry, that whole thing is such a mess. Like I cannot... justice for Brendan Fraser, right? That's truly, and it makes me upset because like Doom Patrol is one of my favorite TV shows, and that's on HBO Max, so you know it's going to get oh, axed. No. And he's also on that, and yeah, I'm just I'm very sad because like. <laughs> My favorite things are just going to keep getting booted. And I truly use HBO Max so much. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, HBO, I think, is the most consistent. Even if it, the show isn't for me in terms of what it is, they are the most consistent with the quality of the shows that they put out. And to hear that mm-hmm. they're going to invest less, than, less into that, oh, it hurts. It hurts it's, also, it's also just like crazy that like they canceled Batgirl and yet The Flash is still going. And that movie's been in development for how long? They announced it in 2013. Yeah. 2013. I, I, saw, I saw a tweet that like, it was crazy. It was like the Flash TV show debuted, I want to say like two weeks, either before or after the Flash movie was announced. And the Flash TV show is finally going off the air after nine seasons. Yep. 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 <laughs> so the Flash show launched around the same time they announced the movie. And yeah. they had nine seasons of <laughs> They wrapped up. They wrapped uh, it up, and the Flash movie is still just like help. Uh, okay. All right. Anyway, uh, tangent HBO <laughs> aside. Uh, quick shout out to all the amazing people joining us live. If you guys are digging the show, hit the like button, share it out. I'm gonna get to a couple super chats here before we transition into our next topic. Uh, Hargi Chani says, "Can PlayStation survive without COD marketing or be the primary platform for COD?" Oh wait, it <laughs> did. The PlayStation Three. I guess PlayStation doesn't think much of its new studio, Bungie. They can't compete with COD. So obviously in jest, Hargit's, uh, you know, commenting on the, the recent PlayStation yep. comments. And we are going to dive into that. Don't you worry. We're going to have a lengthy yeah. conversation about PlayStation and Xbox's comments on this Activision Blizzard deal. And really, what is the weight 
of Call of Duty. That's that's mm-hmm. something we're going to be diving into as well. Fargate with another super chat says, 25 a month still seems too high to me. Family should be included in Ultimate at most $5 more. This is intended for families. Family organizer can set restrictions on any member's playtime, etc. $5 is, so is 25 too expensive in your eyes for this family plan? So I think, I mean, it depends on what your family situation is, right? Because if you just got a bunch of people in your house, you, they can just set up different Xbox profiles and use your Xbox Game Pass Ultimate uh, subscription with some, there's there's limits. But like yeah. like I said, like my partner uses my Xbox Game Pass uh, subscription on when he plays Xbox because we just use the same console. I think it's more for like, say you have like a kid who's off at college, then you guys can both have the Xbox Game Pass because you're on two different consoles. Um, or, you know, like you're sharing with friends. So it's, it's more, it's not necessarily for every family. And, but like, if you have so many people on different consoles playing it, I think it's pretty fair and worth noting. I don't think we mentioned this, like 25, the $25 price point is what they're testing, but that could change. Um, yeah, you know, there's, we're still in the like very early testing. So we'll have to see what it actually ends up being once it's actually out, but I think $25 is fair if you're sharing it amongst many consoles and those people can chip in or not. But like just the sheer amount of people would like if you can use it for up to five people, I think that's a pretty good deal. But like if you got like a few people in your household, probably not. Yeah. And that's that's a big thing. If if you do have five people, yes, that is a really great deal. If you if it was just like my wife and I at home and there's just two of us. You have workarounds where you can make it work and you can both play the game. So it's it's not worth it unless you are on that upper end, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe we'll see them experiment with more options that aren't necessarily a family plan. But you can at, what I want to see is if you are a primary account holder and like me, I have two Xboxes in my home. Why can't I just set them both as as a profile yeah. that I can use? I think that restriction is more annoying than the price of the family plan. I would like to see them, again, maybe this is to, to Hargeet's point, uh, reevaluate what you can do with Xbox yeah. Game Pass Ultimate. Yeah, it's worth noting that like everything about this is still in testing. So who mm-hmm. knows what kind of features we'll get, maybe what features we won't get um, by the time it's actually out. But I feel like um, you can do some experimenting from within the Xbox Game Pass uh, ecosystem. Like you can have like, I feel like a really good idea would be like if you have games like um, Halo um, Infinite, which just introduced campaign co-op, um, you, maybe you can have it so that like a person can play with you and they don't need to own the game. Um, yeah, we've seen games do that, um, exactly. which, is, which is nice. Yeah, like Nintendo doesn't do this a lot, but I think you can do it with Mario Kart. Like I think as long as one person owns Mario Kart, I think other people can just join in. Um, I might be remembering that wrong, but I think that's the case. At the very least, it was the case when it was on the 3DS, mm-hmm. um, because I remember like actively not owning that game and playing it with friends. Um, so like, there's other things you can they can try uh, within this whole model. Yeah, and that that'll be really interesting to see how this grows and evolves. But for a starting point, I think 25 bucks. I think it's fair. Again, mm-hmm. it's not fair for every situation. It's not worthwhile yeah. for every situation. But as someone who has the Nintendo Switch family online plan, I think it's more than double what the, what the standard price is annually for their family plan. So again, for an extra 10 bucks, again, might not be for everyone, but considering you can have up to five people, I think it's a, 
again, I'm going to be taking advantage of it. I'm going to mm -hmm. be, you know, having five friends paying five bucks a month. And in my situation, let's go, baby. That's going to be a, a good bargain. But I do understand it's not for everyone. Yeah, of course. And nothing is. But as we discussed in length, you know, games are only going to get more expensive. So 25 bucks a month for five or four or five people to play games, I think is an insanely good deal. Oh, Hargy is pointing out that the owner of the family can limit what you play, what you watch, and it controls your... So I can add all my Parent friends control, yeah. to my plan and then just put arbitrary restrictions. And like, <laughs> what the hell's going on, dude? I can't boot up games. Like, I don't know, they, dude. That's they weird. They can only play Peppa the Pig. They can only play Peppa the Pig. <laughs> oh, you can, they can only play during the hours that I'm online because I have a yes. buddy who's notoriously bad about sleeping till uh, 4 p.m. or something absurd and uh. stays up till 7 a.m., and so he'll he'll be on for a few hours. And my my our other core friend group is on earlier because, you know, we're awake at a reasonable hour. Yeah. And just for clarification, he doesn't have a, a job that restricts his schedule. This is just for whatever the reason, the schedule he chose. So, yeah, it would be nice to add him and then say, you can only play during these hours. Sorry, dude. <laughs> 11 p.m. Hard cut off. Go to bed. Go to bed, dude. Go to bed. I'm sorry. There. You know what? Maybe that's what he needs. He needs that family. He needs the dad figure to come in and say, all right, buddy, it's time for bed. It's <laughs> oh, my, oh my God. And like, literally, like, and now you have the power to shut off all of his stuff. And now he's just sitting in darkness like, well, I guess I should go to bed. <laughs> yes, I, I can't play. I can't grind destiny. I guess I got to go to bed. Yep. Exactly. All right, let's talk about some other big business shakeups right now. We've talked about the entertainment industry, Netflix, HBO, those shakeups. Another big one this year in the gaming space was Square Enix and they sold off most of their Western division, including Crystal Dynamics and Eidos. And so that was a huge deal. And that sparked a lot of conversations about what that means for Square. A lot of people were in the camp that they were trying to make themselves more appealing for a buyout, and that's why they're selling off their Western divisions. And so maybe a Sony figure or someone was gonna swoop in and buy up the entirety of Square. And part of an earnings call that we got this week gave us some more insight into not only the reasons they sold off their Western divisions, but their plans for a big restructure and a big refresh of their business. So I'm going to read that, read the highlights real quick before we talk about this and strap in. It's kind of a lot. So <laughs> according to this, the sale of crystal dynamics and Eidos was driven by concerns that their titles cannibal cannibalized in quotes, the sales from the rest of the group. The move, this move was considered phase one of their restructuring phase two is to diversify the studio capital structure, boring business terms. But what this means is they're going to be more selective with the development efforts on 100% owned studios. So the studios that they owned 100%, they're going to be more selective about the games that they make. Um, they're also going to be selling stakes of certain studios that they own as well. So they're going to be transitioning away from some of their 100% owned studios to try to get investment investors in to offset some of the costs of development. And moving forward, Square Enix wants to focus primarily on Japanese developed titles. That sounds negative in a lot of ways, but one important thing to note here is that the sale of Crystal Dynamics and Eidos allowed the publisher a surplus of cash, and this will allow them some freedom in terms of restructuring. So they have no debt currently because of this, and they have a surplus of cash. So they're not in dire straits. They're not in a situation where they're, oh no, we are millions and millions of dollars in debt. We need an out right away. They're at least in a position where they can take the time to potentially restructure. So given all this information, given how Square has acted, how they've constantly talked about their games underperforming, 
they've had a lengthy history of not performing in the way that they are happy about. What are your thoughts on on this strategy and their push to sell off the Western Division? Do you think that's going to pay off for them? It's a, it's it's been such a bizarre thing since we saw that they were selling off all these studios because they were selling it off for what looked like chump change. Honestly, they just wanted it, was... it gone. Like is what yeah. it felt like. Oh, absolutely. We were just like, how badly are these studios going that he wanted gone? And like, not really badly. They're just like, they really saw games that underperformed. Like Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> didn't do super well, but it's a single player game. Um, obviously, like the Avengers did not do well. And I think, I forget what financial result it was because there's one every quarter, but there was one where there were like Avengers lost us a lot of money. Um, so I get wanting to... I guess, figure out like, okay, we need a different strategy because we're losing some money. Um, it's a, But it's not like Square Enix is in such dire straits, at least um, from what I've seen. Like, because mm-hmm. Final Fantasy XIV, which they talk about in this financial report, still makes them a bunch of money. Yeah, um, so very happy with Final Fantasy XIV right now. Yeah, like, th- I mean, they say that like one of the key successes was Final Fantasy XIV. Um, I think selling off just a ton of Western studios to focus on just Japanese is very strange because you're cutting out such a huge portion of your player base. And I sort of worry what this can mean going forward for like large scale releases. Cause like if they're not putting as much effort into, you know, the Western audience, does that mean like future games, you know, might not be as like localized or cleaned up for Western? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what this means for games in development going forward um i it feels to me like you know the embracer group which is like that secret company that's just buying up a ton of studios and owns a ton of studios but as far as i can see there really hasn't been a lot of like i guess just like um, intervention is the word i'm looking for from the embracer group on these studios um they seem to just be continuing to do their own thing so i feel like this is probably a net positive for uh, Crystal Dynamics um, and Eidos, Eidos, um, Montreal. Cause like, you know, they also mentioned like Tomb Raider, like the Tomb Raider reboots. Um, they're like, they didn't perform, but like they did over time. So I don't know why they said that like they didn't perform when like it sold well, just sort of over time, not necessarily in the first couple of weeks. Um, one of those things also where like, I know also that Square Enix really wants to get into like blockchain uh, games and things like that. I know I'm not, I'm not going to go into that because many thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, It's very controversial, but they've said that they're interested in these things. So they're clearly also going to be using that extra space to explore that as well. And obviously more final fantasy 14. Um, I think I true. I think it's more of a wait and see kind of thing, like see how this goes, but I really do think it's a very I think it's just strange like I don't think it's I don't think they made the absolute wrong decision but I don't think it was the best I don't know like I have I still have very mixed thoughts on the whole thing because it I don't know maybe they also just thought like they we don't have the support for these like single player games so like give it to somebody who might actually give them the support like there's a lot in here um yeah I'm wondering so. if they where yeah. my read on this is I feel like maybe they were thinking they were stretching themselves too thin because they were yeah. touching on Eidos 
and Crystal Dynamics cannibalizing their other releases. So I'm wondering if what they meant by that was they had to, they were investing all of these resources into these games because of the sales potential of these games, and that was maybe potentially impacting some of their Japanese developed titles. Because we've seen it's been a mixed bag, quite frankly, when it comes to the allocated budget for Square published releases, especially on the Japanese side. And right. previously, we had this weird period of time where there was a decline in the the prospects for Japanese developed titles. And there wasn't, it, there was this moment, especially in the Xbox 360, PS3 generation where Western developed games, that's where everyone was putting their money. And I think that's kind of the time that Square was looking at that and investing in that aggressively because of the potential. And now that those Western developed titles weren't performing to their expectations or impacting their business, maybe they just felt they wanted to get rid of it. And I have talked to people within these teams who've shared you know, sentiments that basically said they felt kind of like a bastard child within Square. So mm -hmm. I agree that I think this will kind of be a net positive because it seems like Embracer is weird. They are this big pile of money, um, yeah. but they also want to make money. And I think they understand that you have to spend money to make money in the space. So hopefully that means these teams are happier. And hopefully that means when Square puts out Japanese developed titles, they are a big deal and they get the budget and attention that they deserve. Because again, Square's selective with where they port their versions of games. They're selective with ongoing support. Chrono Cross infamously has not gotten an update, and people are very unhappy about the performance on that. And that has been out for months and months and months, and there's no word. So my hope would be that situations like that have a means of getting remedied, where right now they clearly feel like they just don't care enough to spend the money on it. Yeah, and it's worth noting also, and we talked about this earlier, about like, you know, like investors are pulling out of a lot of like their investments because they haven't recouped the costs. And, you know, this is like sort of a response to that as well. So I think that it makes sense that they're trying to pare down. And in, in ways, it's also like a little refreshing because you have so many companies buying up other companies right now. And they're just like, no, we're doing the opposite. And as far as I know, um, none of these like Western studios have gotten layoffs yeah, or like it doesn't sound so, like there's any major layoffs which is nice yeah so i mean it's always really scary to see a company you know get bought up by another company because there's all that like insecurity of the future of that company but you know embracer owns gearbox it owns saber interactive it owns deep silver and coke media or whatever coke media is called now i know they just changed their name Play plionic playonic it's something also hard to pronounce. At least it um, won't be confused with cock, which I think yeah. is probably their whole strategy. <laughs> or also not being um, related to the uh, Koch brothers. Always a really good oh, idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, whatever they're called now. Um, and as far as I know, like those games are just still doing what they've always been doing. So like you said, Embracer Group just feels like a pile of money. Um, they're just a holding group. Um, yeah, they're not so, a publisher. I, I exactly. see some people assume they're a publisher, but they're not. Yeah, so it's also just like we don't know how this is going to affect those studios in the long term. But like, there's also um, Jeff Grubb uh, this week also um, said he's heard rumblings um, from people within like Crystal Dynamics that like, oh, maybe now we can go back to Deus Ex. Um, the now quote that... was they want to do um, what Cyberpunk didn't or couldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cause yeah. Uh, so 
yeah and like that's that's still even he says like this is very early talks um and god knows what this could like maybe we never get a new deus ex but it would be nice if we got a new deus ex because like i agree that deus ex does cyberpunk as a genre way better than cyberpunk 2077 did um so yeah like this could be a, a, a net positive for those studios that got just like yeeted into space like square Enix like looked at it and was like nope <laughs> and just threw it in the dumpster and then embracer group found it and was like oh let's go oh, let me nurture little. you have soul reaver come here come here my sweet child i will <laughs> nurture you i will give you the strength you need we thought those tomb raider games were pretty good it's okay it's okay Guardians don't listen to square very great <laughs> don't listen to square you perform just fine okay you're great you weren't the didn't problem understand you yeah it was square enix so um yeah like if square enix was struggling um you know like they had to figure out what they needed i do think it's like focusing on japanese focused titles is probably like probably easier because you know japanese publisher they have the japanese relationships studios. for sure exactly um and yeah, I don't know. Like, it's still very much a wait and see kind of thing, but I do think it's one of the more bizarre deals that has happened in the games industry over the past year with Square Enix just like getting rid of all those studios and being like, this is our new strategy. We're going to be focusing on all this stuff. Um, and then watching people just wait and see because, again, and we'll talk about this later, a lot of studios are buying up other studios these days. So, yeah, speaking on that, one yeah. interesting nugget of this strategy is this desire to get stakes of their so studios sold off to other parties yes so we when talked i talked about that yet so when i look at that the first one that immediately comes to mind when i think of a giant that is buying stakes in anyone and everyone is tencent tencent doesn't mm. really have a huge desire to own a lot of teams outright but they want their they want their tencent piece of a lot of pies right now so it doesn't sound like Square Enix is looking to sell its entire business. It doesn't look like it's trying to sell any of its entire studios. But who do you see as likely targets to come in and say, all right, Square, yeah, we'll give you X amount of dollars if we get X profits on this team or this project? I mean, Sony is the one that comes to mind immediately, right? Because Square Enix and Sony already have that relationship, um, more so uh, with than like Xbox or Nintendo. Mm -hmm. um, and Sony is looking to diversify its portfolio right now. Like mm -hmm. they, they want more live service games. They want more, less, like they understand that single player games are their bread and butters. So they're not gonna be stopping doing that, but they want other stuff. They want mobile games. They want PC games. Like they want stuff that's outside the console. Um, and that's why they bought Bungie um, because Destiny 2, they want that live service experience so that they can make more live service games. And then they give Bungie the support they need to continue doing Destiny 2. So I think that's an obvious choice for mm -hmm. Sony, for Sony to pick up stuff. Like you said, Tencent. Um, I'm completely blanking, but Tencent just like bought stakes in a whole other studio. Yeah, but now I'm also blank. It was this week as well. It was another yeah. big, big chunk of somebody. And if you guys in chat remember, drop that. I know oh, it was Ubisoft. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, router, routers, routers. Um, reported um that tencent is looking to have a bigger stake in ubisoft because tencent right. also tencent also has stakes in a lot of different big companies but like never large enough for them to be like the owners of those companies um except like riot and riot's like probably like the big 
a different thing. Um, big exception to that rule. But yeah, Tencent's looking for more in Ubisoft. So, but like Tencent's also just like a really big deal in China. Mm-hmm. Um, like they own just a ton of companies that do really well in China. They're way more known there than they are here. Like here they just like own stakes in companies, but they're they're actually like publishing and and like doing stuff. But like I don't like I don't know what like that relationship is like with like a Japanese company like Square Enix, but you know, if Square if like Tencent wanted that Japanese stake, you know, that's an option as well. Um, I've seen Nexon also tossed around, and that's also a possibility. Um, Nexon's always one of those, like, you know, companies, again, uh, Korean, uh, Japanese, um, a lot of, um, uh, my brain just farted there. (laughs) Um, but... And, like, Nexon also, like, has been uh, investing in a lot of companies as well in the area. Like, I think they invested in Konami um, and Sega, of at least within the past, like, couple of years. I can't remember exactly. Um, so that's another option as well. So, but I think Sony is probably the biggest one to look out for, especially as more people have been like, oh, Sony's going to buy Square Enix. It's got to compete with all of xbox's acquisitions which i don't think it needs to do but i think it's probably going to do i just don't see it happening to that scale yeah i'm i'm really curious because obviously playstation has a a good reputation or good relationship with square and clearly playstation loves the brand association with final fantasy they put a lot Mm -hmm. of work in to make sure that final fantasy in particular is synonymous with playstation uh, a lot of lengthy exclusive deals, a lot of exclusive deals in general for Final Fantasy VII Remake, Final Fantasy VII, or Final Fantasy XVI, Final Fantasy XIV is also everywhere, but Xbox in a lot of ways. So there's a lot. There's a lot that they're doing, and I could definitely see them saying, you know, we want to ensure that. We want to ensure that brand association indefinitely. So how do we get a piece of that? At least on the exactly. Final Fantasy side, we want to ensure that that one in particular stays. Um, Although the- I feel like, sorry, I just like I feel like also like Square Enix probably wouldn't get rid of Final Fantasy. Like that's their, that's I don't, their, that's their giant, that's their thing. Like that is, I think like, they would if, sell if they their, themselves Fantasy, before they would sell Final Fantasy. Exactly, but like same idea, right? Like Sony's got that relationship with Square, so it seems like an obvious thing. Um, somebody in the chat also mentions like maybe Nintendo. But Nintendo's not really in the a business of buying other companies that it doesn't already have like relationships with because like Nintendo's whole thing is like it will work with a third party company on like a game for many years and then it might eventually buy that company. But you know, like with um the Metroid uh, Dread company, which I'm blanking on the name of right now, or like oh, Mercury Game Freak. Steam. Yeah. Um. So. But, like, that's also an option, like, because, you know, Nintendo has a big, like, JRPG audience. Um, You could argue that Square games do better on Switch, because I think there's a lot of data data that suggests they do. I mean, obviously, Final Fantasy VII Remake is not on Switch, and 16 won't be on Switch. But, generally speaking, Square makes a lot of money from Nintendo. Yeah. Um, And, like, you know, the whole, like, Xbox-Japanese relationship is... One of those like big topics of conversation among Xbox analysts because yeah, Xbox has never had that relationship with Japan that us like Sony and Nintendo have, but like they've expressed interest in working on that for the future. Like, and they're finally bringing like JRPGs and RPGs to 
Xbox. So, but I don't see that really like yeah, being so, in this conversation. But you I'm know. gonna bring it in this conversation anyway because this is an Xbox show. Fair, so, fair. Obviously, there's a lot of criticisms especially on the square side. If you are someone who's invested in the Xbox camp, you primarily play on Xbox, you know that square skips a ton of releases on Xbox. I, I joke about how they will come to every single platform possible, except for Xbox. They will come to your phone. They will come to Amazon Kindle before they come to <laughs> Xbox. Square Enix will remake Final Fantasy VII again before Final Fantasy VII Remake comes to Xbox. They're going to put it on a on a pregnancy test like that Doom version yeah. like yeah, so before they put it on Xbox. So that got me thinking, because again, this is a big conversation, just primarily in the Xbox bubble. And I know I don't think this is a, a huge reality, but I do wonder if Xbox should get involved with these conversations if, if say, Sony is coming to the table and saying, we want that brand association with Square you think it would be wise for Xbox to at least approach Square and say, all right, how do we ensure that we're not going to be missing out on a ton of games moving forward? Square is big. Whether you like Square games or not, that would be a big miss if this trend of Square games skipping Xbox just continues in perpetuity. I agree that Xbox would probably want to be involved in those conversations, but like one thing at a time like they're just they're right now going through a huge acquisition with activision blizzard and there's gonna be a lot of work involved with getting that all that stuff onboarded to xbox and integrated uh -huh. with xbox so i think it's more just like xbox should just focus on that before they start like getting in on this square enix stuff but like it's xbox they're probably going to want to be involved in those conversations because it's their competition so of course they're going to want to be involved but like i think it's best for xbox that they just it's, Focus on what they're doing, dealing with now, because that's going to be a multi-year. That's going to be a huge. Again, I see people talking about the next publisher that Microsoft is going to buy after Activision Blizzard. I'm like, whoa, slow, pump the brakes yeah, exactly. a little bit. This is the biggest acquisition that has ever happened in the games industry. Figures like Phil Spencer are coming out saying, "We have no idea what we're doing." Post this, we don't know how to. We're not. We yeah. have no idea how to merge all of these groups together. So. It's going to, like you said, it's going to be a massive process. And it's something that they can't even start in any capacity until that deal's done. So, which is not going to be till like next year is, pro is the, I guess, yeah, estimated. Some, maybe, date. maybe late this year, but yes, yeah. safe expectation is early next year. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I agree. Microsoft has their work cut out for them. And as we're mm -hmm. seeing in other industries when it comes to these big acquisitions is, uh, you know, if you're not careful with how you plan it, it's going to cause problems down the road. It's going to cause a lot of problems. Yeah. And in general, I'm against consolidation of industries. I've never really seen it work out for any industry. So like this conversation about like, oh, what should Xbox buy next? What should like Sony buy next? I'm just like, oh my God. Like, it just it's like... Like, I know it's like, it's happening, so I'm gonna have thoughts about it. But at the same time, I'm just like, and I know Square is trying to like, actively get rid of some of their stuff. So that's a whole thing. But yeah, I, in general, it's not my favorite thing. No, I really, regardless. for me, I only care if it is really going to, truly and really going to benefit the people who work there. And that's, that for me is the biggest driver for why I would be excited about an acquisition. Obviously exclusives are cool if you only have one console or, want that console to be the cool one, whatever the case <laughs> might be. Um, but that being said, generally speaking, these deals are designed to benefit the company more than anyone else. Um, 
and we know Activision Blizzard in particular has not had the best track record of how they handle and how they treat employees. So a in, bit. in this particular case, I am hopeful that the situation will be a lot better for a lot of people. But yeah, generally speaking, I don't want to see every single publisher owned by, by mm -hmm. someone. Because exactly. then at a certain point, right now, everyone's thriving and competing and they're trying to be the dominant force. But at a certain point, once you, once you get it all, what's the incentive to be better? You got it all. There's no incentive to be better. You can just start exactly. jacking up those prices, baby. You want this? Yep. You like Star Wars? $3,000 a night at my premium Star Wars hotel, <laughs> fools. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, without, like, if every company is owned by three companies, there's no competition. And, like, Nintendo's off in its own world, so it's never going to be competition for Xbox and Sony. So it really, like, but that's, this is, again, a whole other conversation, but that's why I'm generally against consolidation because it decreases competition and there's no incentive to, like, improve. Um, I mean, Xbox has shown that they're willing to listen to consumers, uh, so that's a whole thing. But, yeah, in terms of Square Enix, like, I know they're dealing with issues, like, mon financial issues right now, so they're looking to, like, just s sell off a bunch of different stakes. Um but where they end up will probably, I guess, decide the future of those stakes. And we don't really know what those stakes will be yet. They haven't said. They're just like, yeah, we're just selling off some of the stakes. And, like, you can assume it's some of the stuff that's just, like, not Final Fantasy related, not, you know, tied to their other big franchises. So, I don't know. We'll have to see where it goes. But I think Square Enix is making just some very interesting moves. I'm a little worried about it because... You know, a lot of it just sounds like we're in trouble. We need to, you know, course correct. Yeah, I agree. I don't think a lot of these moves strike me as something that makes me excited about the, the near future of Square. Um, but I am hopeful that maybe they just had some hard conversations on where they want to prioritize, where they want to focus and where they can succeed. And if that's the case, um, I, I just hope that it means that they spend more time making sure that their releases are worth worthwhile Good. worth worth celebrating because yeah let's yeah that, and that's all consumers care about is is this product good like are you living up to my expectations as a player i mean granted some players have like really high expectations but in general like all people want is a good game they want yeah. a good product that they'll like they'll again they're gonna be spending 60 70 dollars on it's got to be worth that 60 70 dollars to to them um it, so yeah. And again, as I think what a lot of publishers have learned in recent years is if you put out a game that is good and people enjoy it, they will buy it and they will continue to support. If you have ongoing support and the ongoing support is good, they will continue to give you money for it. So, yeah, some a lot of legacy publishers have learned really hard lessons over the last 10 years. And we've seen companies like Konami in particular who still haven't quite figured out how to come back from that when it comes to developing Pachinko. games. But they're at least having the conversations and moving towards potentially making good games again. They haven't proven that they can do it yet, but um, hopefully they are taking you know a couple of years to put out a product that is exciting. And people say, okay, Konami cares about games again because their last two noteworthy releases, three, what was it the soccer series sock world pro soccer evil sorry i don't know soccer i, I know what you're talking about but i don't know the name konami soccer game yeah panned panned into oblivion contra road core metal gear survive their, their recent history has been 
has not proven that they care to make good games. They just wanted to put games out with established IP. Yeah, and I mean, they just released um, a new Bomberman mobile game um, that came out this week or last week. So they're still also like a player in the mobile space to an extent. Um, but I agree, like Konami, Konami's been in a weird place for a while. So as as we've talked many a time, Silent Hill just sitting right there. Um, oh, Mr. Dream Dark says pro evolution soccer. Yeah, I was close. I think I said all of those words, maybe not in the right <laughs> order, but I said all of those words. I think you said soccer and then I saw your brain starting to leak from your ears. Uh, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Now now is the big the big topic of today's show and the, the big conversation in the Xbox camp this week. And that is regarding some comments that we got regarding the Activision Blizzard King deal that came from the Brazil's Administrative Council for Economic Defense regarding the potential of this acquisition. And what's refreshing about this is Brazil in particular is way more transparent than a lot of markets. We got some really interesting insights from Sony in particular about how they feel, you know, this group in this market about the acquisition and how it could potentially, how they feel it could potentially impact their business. So let me read some statements here on Call of Duty in particular and what, what weight Sony is putting in Call of Duty. Call of Duty is synonymous with first-person shooter games and essentially defines that category. Call of Duty is so popular that it influences users' choice of console and its community of loyal users is entrenched enough that, it even, that even if a competitor had the budget to develop a similar product, it would not be able to rival it. More quotes. Each annual Call of Duty release takes around three to five years to develop. As Activision releases one Call of Duty game per year, this equates to an annual investment of hundreds of millions of dollars. No other developer can devote the same level of resources and expertise in game development. Even if they could do that, Call of Duty is overly entrenched so that no rival, no matter how relevant they are, can catch up. All right, Carly. How much truth is there to these statements from Sony? Is there really not a world where anyone can compete in the first-person shooter genre with the juggernaut? The Call of Duty. The um, Call of Duty. I mean, there's truth to their statements because I don't, I can't really think of another uh, franchise that does like single-player shooters, multiplayer shooters, battle royale shooters, mobile shooters, and it's all in one thing. But like, you know, you have like Fortnite. Uh, as a big like for like shooter competitor, even though it's mm -hmm. battle royale, you have like Apex Legends again, another uh, battle royale that's also now on mobile. You have um, Destiny Two. Mm -hmm. um, so like there are shooters that are live service games that can compete with Call of Duty, but in terms of like what Call of Duty specifically is, like the only other thing I can think of that like might be as large is like maybe Battlefield, and we know what. Not, Battlefield's going through right now. Not and, recently, but yeah, I would agree. Battlefield is in that space. Yeah, and there's like other games, like, you know, like Killzone's a thing, you know, and, you know, Warframe. And like, there's like other titles that like are just like always just doing their thing in the background and never making as much of a stink as Call of Duty does, but still being like extremely successful and popular. Um, I mean... The big question when they announced they were buying Activision Blizzard was what's going to happen with Call of Duty? Yeah, will Call um, of Duty be exclusive was the hot exactly. conversation. 
Exactly. And, you know, they've said that, like, for now, it's not going to be because Call of Duty has all these deals with PlayStation. And, like, PlayStation has always been, like, you know, Call of Duty has always been cross-platform, but Call of Duty has always had a closer relationship with PlayStation. They always get, like, you know, sort of, like, little exclusives and things like that. So, or Yeah, there like was, like, a, a shift. There's been this interesting back and forth because 360 era microsoft lockdown all the like exclusive maps you get this map first kind of deal and they set that precedent of exclusive call of duty content and then they mm -hmm. lost that and playstation's been pushing that hard and so there is this clearly both platforms see tremendous value in exclusive call of duty content yeah and like of course playstation's worried this is a giant acquisition um with this like xbox is not only gonna own call of duty but it's gonna also have you know what like all the blizzard stuff it's gonna have you know activision's whole uh catalog like i know activision right now is just a call of duty studio for all intents and purposes but there's a lot of stuff like in the catalog that they can put on x game pass or export box uh, backward compatibility um so like of course of course sony's worried like they're gonna be losing a huge you know, game that they have a relationship with, with this deal. And they still don't really fully 100% know what that's going to look like. Um, whether, but I don't think that just because Xbox owns Call of Duty means that there's just never going to be a competitor to Call of Duty. Um, as we've seen also, like Activision needs to course correct on Call of Duty because they also had their financials this week. And, uh, Across Activision Blizzard, um, they also didn't do well for yeah, their financials. Huge year-over-year -year losses. Yeah, I think it was like almost a billion dollars. Um, yeah, we were pushing, I think, $700 million. Yeah. Um, but, and like a lot of that is attributed to like how not well Call of Duty Vanguard did. Mm -hmm. um, but like, you know, they have Modern Warfare 2 coming out in October and Warzone 2.0. So they're banking that those games are sort of going to turn it around and then they also said that like you know over the next like couple of years they're gonna be working more on premium content um so but they've also said that like call of duty might be moving into um not a yearly release but like every two years um so call of duty also is going through a lot of changes um but it is a giant franchise with a ton of just games within itself so I understand why Sony's concerned. Like, they have to be. It's a big deal. Yeah, Call of Duty, even though a lot of us in the hardcore space are like, oh, Call of Duty. I don't play <laughs> Call of Duty. Yeah, we're kind of, we're in the minority of people who play video games, really. If you don't play Call of Duty, it's, it is a big deal for a lot of people. And that's why you have PlayStation making these comments saying, you know, uh, we can't compete. You shouldn't do this because, again, they don't want the deal to go through. This deal going through does not benefit them in any way, shape, or form. Exactly. So if they can leverage the some of the realities, quote unquote, they're stretching what you know what the facts are, or purposely omitting facts to push the narrative. But there is some truth to what they're saying in this case. And Call of Duty is huge. And there was a period of time where every single year somehow a Call of Duty would come out and make more money than the last Call of Duty. And they were just doing it over and over and over, and you couldn't stop it. The games yes. weren't even reviewing well, and they were still selling well. Yeah, only in the past couple of years has that started to like go down again. And with Vanguard selling 
not super well because it got like pretty mediocre reviews. Like it's just like it's another Call of Duty game, woo. Which is, uh, woo, I guess, yeah. the it's sort of that's sort of the Call of Duty cycle, right? Like eventually, like you get a game that's like, wow, I guess Call of Duty has stagnated quite a bit, and then they have to, you know, figure out like what direction they have to take the games in. Um, but like the difference between now and like other times that's had to happen, like when they did, like the modern started doing the modern warfare games, um, is that they have warzone they have call of duty mobile they have um you know the all the multiplayer like so much multiplayer with like you know like they've had like some issues recently with like updates but generally speaking they work on consistent updates minus a few times where they've had to delay them um it's a whole bucket now like it's there's so many things inside that bucket um which is why like activision can basically keep itself afloat just with call of duty microtransactions mm -hmm. yeah the call of duty machine the call of duty machine has become their business model and that was the primary reason we saw them reducing the number of titles they would put out from other ip and have a lot of their teams focus on call of duty because they knew they could ensure that if they put out a call of duty every year they would make money on that and so that became the driving factor of activision so many of their IP just became just irrelevant. We have no interest in touching any of those because we know Call of Duty is going to make us money. So I do agree that there is a lot of weight with Call of Duty. I, I do push back on the idea that there can never be a competitor, as they've touched on here. I think there is plenty of potential, as you touched on with like Apex Legends, which is, has a huge player base. Um, I don't play Valorant, but I know that also has a pretty big community as well. There, there mm -hmm. are players who can come in and do something. Whether, it's, whether or not it's on the same level of Call of Duty, we haven't seen somebody do that yet. Even big budget stuff from Microsoft, Halo. A lot of people yep. were wondering how Halo would stack up in a Call of Duty world. And even when Call of Duty wasn't that good this past year, Halo wasn't the competitor it should be. And so, again, there's no, you can't just throw money at a thing and have it be successful in a lot of cases. And I think that's where Microsoft can push back. And we've seen Microsoft come out and, and downplay Activision Blizzard and say things to the effect of, there's nothing unique about Activision games. And that's that, that out of context, that is just such a hilarious thing for them to say, we're spending $69 billion on them, but there's nothing inherently unique about what they do, right? I mean, in some ways, no, because like they're just doing the live service model, battle mm -hmm. pass. Mm -hmm. you know. a, so many free to play games, so many battle passes, so many shooters. Yeah. Exactly. But like, like if you think about what Xbox has right now, like that is like, I guess the direct competitor to Call of Duty, it would be Halo. But like Halo Infinite has not been doing super well. Um, there's been a ton of delays, um, seasons haven't been particularly like, there hasn't been a lot to those mm -hmm. like seasons, like the battle pass is just like, okay, there's some stuff in here, but it's not like something I immediately have to buy. Like I play Apex Legends a lot and every time a new battle pass comes out, I'm putting money in because there's always something in that battle pass that like, I think will be worth like, I don't know, the 10 to $20 I put in every few months to that game. Um, but so like when... Xbox is going to get Call of Duty. It's going to have a unique thing. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily the most unique thing it can possibly have. Because there are so many. Like, Fortnite is freaking Fortnite. Um, and that's probably, like, the closest thing we have. Um, mm -hmm. And 
no, that is that is going to stay its own thing. It's never going to be bought by Xbox and play or Sony or whatever. But like, watch that happen. Um, Ooh. like, yeah, watch it. Like, Sony buys Epic Games, and the whole video game industry just like loses their minds because who knows? <sighs> we weren't expecting Activision Blizzard, and look what happened. Um, yeah, at this point in the industry, I'm at the point where I just I won't say never to anything. Really, there are things that I think are unlikely, probably won't happen. But the last few years have taught me that really anything's possible. If somebody has enough money and people are desperate enough or in a situation where they feel like this is the way to fix that, Fortnite. I don't, yeah. I don't think it'll be an exclusive to anything, but I could see someone maybe. I don't know. Epic's so big. Who buys Epic? Yeah. Who buys it? Epic's so mad. That would be a very expensive deal if <sighs> somebody tried to buy Epic Games. But yeah, I don't, I don't think Tim Sweeney would ever let that happen anyway. Because Tim Sweeney wants to do what Tim Sweeney wants. Just even to for do. his own ego, is maybe when he leaves. But yeah, yeah. Tim, Tim Sweeney is—he's a, he's a he's a Epic's character. the rebellious. You know, they're doing what Down other with Apple's bad. Epic's good. They take too much money, so we're gonna just break our contract with them and wonder why we're getting sued. Um, but yeah, I mean, like. Generally speaking, like I understand PlayStation being like concerned, but like this means that they have the opportunity to invest a lot in Destiny 2 that uh -huh. they can. I know they're trying to develop a lot of other live service games, um, both from they've mentioned like they're developing stuff from current IP and also new IP. Um, this, this is obviously going to be like a very long um, process. Like we're not going to see all this stuff right away, but they're according to their financials from. I want to say last quarter, or at the very least, they had a. Now I'm blanking if it was financials or just some like stakeholder meeting that they had that date like talked about like all of the stuff they want to do over the next five years. Um, but regardless, they said that like for over the next like five years, they want like over a dozen live service games. I forget mm -hmm. like the exact number, but it was a lot. And so I don't think Call of like PlayStation's going to collapse. If like they lose out on Call of Duty, but I understand them being worried. It just like I'm sure they're already working on like supporting Bungie with more Destiny 2 because they want that live service stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, they're gonna use that to develop more stuff. So I think PlayStation would be fine. Like they got their own plans, but like you and know, really with these kinds of deals, you're gonna ask the competitors what they think. Ex exactly. I yeah, PlayStation. I think in the grand scheme of things, if they lose. I don't think they'll lose Call of Duty, but if this deal goes through, um, I don't see that being a huge problem. I do have questions about the future of exclusivity. Um, Xbox has kind of made it sound like Call of Duty and a lot and some of these other properties will stay multi-platform. And as we've seen with with Bungie, um, clearly these big publishers, even Microsoft and Sony, are willing to if it means more recurring revenue and it means they can support exclusive content or support the platform through this revenue, that it doesn't have to be exclusive. But that being said, if you have to pay $70 on PlayStation or you can play Call of Duty every single year through Xbox Game Pass, that's going to pull people. And that's where Sony's yeah. worried. I think more than exclusivity, they understand that Xbox Game Pass with Call of Duty, you will get people who subscribe to xbox game pass who maybe were playstation loyalists like i love call of duty i want to play call of duty i'm going to subscribe to game pass and then that shifts their habits and now 
because of Game Pass. Maybe they're playing more on Xbox. Maybe they're buying less titles in general on PlayStation because a lot of their friends have transitioned to the Xbox ecosystem because of Call of Duty. And I think that's the stuff where PlayStation's really worried because once you lose that permanent loyalty, it's it's hard to get it back. Yeah, and that brings up a good point that's about like what is exclusivity even going to look like over the next like rest of the console generation because you know exclusivity sort of like the importance of it goes up and down like sometimes like like with last console generation it was a huge point in like one console's favor over the other uh -huh. like sony had those exclusives um and that's why you bought into the sony ecosystem because it had like god of war horizon um ghost of tsushima like all these like really great single player cinematic games last of us is another one um but that's not you can't make those games like that's that can't be the only thing you make as a publisher like you got to make like live service these days because people like that's how you make money and like we've said a billion times today because apparently that's the theme today like games are expensive you got to find ways to recoup those costs um yeah, so it like, really bums me out that like because of the the expensive nature of game development, we see games that sell five million copies and people try to see that as a negative or, or fault that or say the game was not a success. And we just mm -hmm. really need to accept that not every game can hit that or will hit that. And I think that's where live service stuff makes that pressure go away. Because before it was if this doesn't sell 10 million copies, we are in a lot of trouble. Exactly. And like with Call of Duty, like I don't see it going exclusive because like they would be alienating a huge part of the player base if they did that. Um, as we like games, like games are expensive. Consoles are expensive. Like what if the only game you play every year is Call of Duty and you play it on Steam? Like if Xbox makes it exclusive, like what do you like? How are you going to adjust? Like obviously like Xbox has like that PC uh game pass but like it's not as good as xbox game pass on the console yeah it's um, not the native experience exactly so i don't see that happening and they've said like at least for now it's not going to be exclusive but that can change like mm -hmm. five years down the line 10 years down it the could line be, oh you know, the Call current Duty. stuff warzone that's that remains multi-plat the multiplayer stuff remains multi-plat but oh guess what all the campaigns those are exclusive mm -hmm. yeah and i wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised either if like they separate the campaign from the multiplayer going forward. Like maybe the campaign is going to be exclusive, but everything else is multi-platform. Like we don't know what they're going to do with it, but for now they've said that they're going to keep it multi-platform, which is the important thing. I think that but, would be the smart yeah. play is to have the war zone and the multiplayer components just be a platform that they add content to do the season pass, grow and evolve. And then every now and then like, boom, here's a campaign. Here's a, mm -hmm. here's a campaign, and if they want to tie that to exclusives, if they think that's going to do something, I think a smarter move would be, again, not make stuff exclusive, but leverage Game Pass. Lever leverage your ecosystem and say, you're playing on Xbox? You don't have to, but if you do, boop, here you go. Here's all this free stuff. Come on, baby. Xbox is hooking you up. We're not forcing you to come here. We're, we're just sweetening the deal, and I, that has more value because... Nobody wants to be forced to do anything. People are petty. People are spiteful. That's just, that's just human nature. And so if you force the connect, the connect being forced bundled with the Xbox One, Xbox will never, ever, ever live that down for some people. You made yeah. me buy this thing that I didn't want, and so I hate you. Or I to didn't. Be fair, that was really bad. It, it was not a smart move. No, 
And again, they forced it when it was an optional cert, when it was an optional piece of hardware, smashed sales, smashed Guinness book sales records. When it was bundled in with the console, boo, this thing sucks. Yeah. What are you doing? And so yeah. it, it, again, make it the option, make it an, an enticing option that you sell me on. I'm excited to come to Xbox and that's where you want to be as opposed to, sorry, dude, you want to play it? Peace. That's a good point too. Like they just make it optional. Like they'd be like, like what PlayStation does now with Call of Duty, where it's like you get an exclusive map if you're on Call of Duty, like earlier than the Xbox people do, or you get like the skin, like, cause people will go crazy over skins and I'm one of those people. Yeah, you give me some skin. drip. You give me some enticing drip. <laughs> I downloaded multiverses on PlayStation plus just to get the, the Rhine dog drip. You know, it's a free to play <laughs> game, but they hooked it up with PlayStation plus exclusive content. I was there, baby. Let's go. Rhine dog makes me laugh so hard because multiverses has this gigantic catalog to pull from. And they're like, here's an original game. OCs, baby. And I'm just like, oh, okay, like cool. Sorry, <laughs> I think it's sorry, I apologize. It's it's rain dog. It's it's rain, rain dog. Reindeer oh, and rain, dog. Yeah, and right, because it's got reindeer antlers, yeah. right? I kept saying Ryan dog, and people are like, no, it's a reindeer dog. And I'm like, oh, rain dog. Okay, I get it now. And I was like, yeah, Ryan dog, because I haven't played multiverses yet. And I'm just like, yeah, Reinhardt from Overwatch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in general, like, I think Xbox would, the good thing would, to do would be to have, like, a couple of exclusive things if you play it on Xbox, but generally speaking, keep it multi-platform, because to do that would just lose them money, I feel like, and Again, yeah, as I, long as you're playing Call of Duty, Xbox is getting money in the end, so. If that means, because Xbox still wants to have exclusive games, but if that, if, if Call of Duty is just a means of Xbox having even more money to put into other games, other IP, other new ideas. Let's go. You know, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll support that as a smart business move. I'm not a big Call of Duty player myself. I understand Me people are excited, but if that means Xbox has more money to make better, cooler games, all right, keep it multi-platform. Yeah. Keep it just a, a strong sub-business within your business. Yeah. So, yeah, I think as long as, like, they just make, like, xbox stuff more enticing and to keep it multi-platform i think that's the way to go exactly and I, it seems like they sort of know at the very least like from what they've said like you know keeping it multi-platform for at least a little bit like they'll probably just end up keeping it multi-platform if they make it exclusive i'd kind of be shocked to be honest the comments from brad smith to me seem almost definitive that it mm -hmm. will not be multi that it will not be exclusive because they've been obviously very worried about this deal going through and they want to ensure that this deal goes through. And that's a means I think of appeasing people who are concerned that they're going to have that exclusive content or pull content from other platforms and make them non like PlayStation where we won't be able to compete. But if you say, Hey, we own it, but it's on PlayStation, whatever you can't complain. Yeah. And then you still get money. If again, not that this is an idea I'm thrilled with, but that makes it much easier if Xbox down the line sees another opportunity to scoop up a publisher. If this deal goes through well, they don't lock out a bunch of content. There's going to be less hoops for them to jump through when they mm -hmm. look to buy somebody else. But if they come in and they, we told you one thing, but actually we're doing this, the next deal that they try to do is going to be way more complicated. You're going to have way more scrutiny because PlayStation is going to dig up those examples of Brad Smith saying, this is going to remain mm -hmm. multi-platform and say they lied. PlayStation. Microsoft is evil and they will lie to your face <laughs> to get this deal through. And that's yeah. Again. So yeah. I, but I just, I just personally never 
like things change companies like that large change especially when mm-hmm. leadership changes like we see that with uh hbo max right now like they had these plans they merged with discovery the new ceo old ceo out new ceo in entirely different strategy so like things happen exactly so it's it's one of those things that's why i haven't said like oh call of Duty is going to remain multi-platform until the end of time because you never know exactly but- never never say never right now things like you said businesses change demands change what you can get away with can change so mm-hmm. uh, yeah i'm in the same camp i won't say never i will say i don't expect it that's not my expectation yeah. from call of duty but exactly if, if they do it then i don't yeah. know also who knows what call of duty is going to look like in five years like for like for all you know, like they stopped making single player campaigns. Like I don't know. Like yeah. I know single like single player. I think like single player is really important. Like I love single player games. I love stories. I know a lot of pe- other people do. So it'd be kind of silly to not have. But you never know. Like things like there's like I said, they're figuring out what Call of Duty looks like right now. And um, right now it's a lot of live service and microtransactions and you know like Warzone, Call of Duty Mobile, like mobile gaming is only going to get bigger as as mo- as phones get more powerful like we're already seeing like all these ports to mobile and Xbox cloud gaming making mobile more appealing and PlayStation mm-hmm. wants to get into mobile so like yeah like who who knows really like who knows what this is all going to look like in 5 years but yeah like, again the the meme with Diablo Mortals was y- y'all have phones right but <laughs> We all do have phones, and mm-hmm. so, like we touched on earlier, people will not buy consoles. But that doesn't mean they have no interest in playing video games. So if you can give them a good experience on mobile, if you can play the biggest and best games on your phone just casually, then that's going to open up doors to a new audience that for a while was just accustomed to, oh, I only play Candy Crush or I only play this mm-hmm. on mobile. I still play games technically. But if that experience is good enough, on mobile more and more people will be willing to give it a shot yeah i always think about um so i before the pandemic um like i live near like a a high school so like at a certain time you'll see all the high school kids just like at the starbucks like at like some of these restaurants that are nearby and they're just hanging out and i went to starbucks once and there was like five or six like teenagers like sitting around a giant table and they all had phones playing call of duty mobile with each other and they were just like and this was years ago um and that's only gotten bigger since then and that was like the first time i really was like oh like teens like the younger generation who are used to playing things on their phones because that's like they've had phones forever like that's the audience um and i guess they come of age i think more things are going to be on mobile so like Mm -hmm. i saw that and that was the moment i was like oh People do this like, is a real I'm, thing. I'm the old fart here. Like I'm the exception yeah. now. Like I'm just the old dude, old head who just dedicated hardware. You freaking, it's like, we're going to be like the people with our vinyl system. We have the nice vinyl record player. We have the stereo system. <laughs> we go all in and there's a bunch of people just listening on like the shittiest headphones possible on their phone. Okay. But like vinyl came back. So I'm, I'm no, I'm just saying, I'm just, mm-hmm. I know I did come yeah, back, like, but like, I'm that old fart who like i play apex legends mobile on occasion because it's like i play apex apex legends on my pc but i have the mobile version because it's just like it's almost like sort of a different game and i get like that like ramping in my fingers after like a couple of matches which makes me feel so old because i'm just like i'm just now used to playing on my iphone yeah same i don't i don't like it it hurts my fingers (laughs) you like my little fingies but 
some people are just really used to that because they grew up that way. So like Call of Duty Mobile, and I know they're bringing Warzone to mobile or like that's sort of the plan. So like, yeah, I see, yes. I see young, young five, six year olds just playing on tablets. And like, that's mm -hmm. not how we grew up. So yeah, like you nope. said, you're probably used to it. And then we have these five, six year olds who are just going to dominate on touch controls when <laughs> big games come. And I'm just over here with mouse and keyboard trying to get my advantage getting rocked and like, oh, okay. Well. I'm just imagining like a, a kid come up to you and be like, oh, you're so retro playing on your PC with your mouse and keyboard. <laughs> Going to land parties? What's a <laughs> land party? As oh, a way to make heart. you just feel crazy old. Just, oh, I remember um, gaming cafes. I remember yes. when that was the thing. You could go, we would all go to a gaming cafe and play Battlefield. And we would pay per hour to play Battlefield with a bunch of other people. Yes. Ooh, Although what? people still, I mean, game cafes are still a thing, but also I, there's this guy I see on occasion who lives near me and he goes to the Starbucks to use their Wi-Fi. He brings his entire PC with him. Like his like, tower. Like he brings his, his tower. tower and his monitor. It's it's like a 24-inch monitor. It's like and he plays like like the one time I saw him playing Friday the 13th. Um which is really funny because the character he was playing was just in a bra and underwear and I'm like, "What is <laughs> in a Starbucks?" And everyone yeah. was just looking at him like, "What is that?" And he's what just is, like just getting his game on. Boys just And then I saw him later like walking away from the Starbucks. He didn't even drive there. He just walked there and he's just carrying all his PC stuff like <laughs> It was, it was like, I am like, I'm like, this is a whole other level. Like, That's dedication. Good for you, but also, oh. I want to touch on one thing that I saw some people bringing up in the chat about this deal before I move on to the final main question of this of topic. And I see this a lot, again, because this is an Xbox-centric show. I work for a, a, a platform-centric outlet. There's this comparison of, what PlayStation would do in this situation. So I always see people say, well, if PlayStation bought Activision Blizzard, then that would, all the stuff would be exclusive. And so I want to get your take on that as someone who's a little more removed from the Xbox bubble. Do you think that's the reality? That if PlayStation, let's assume they just had 69 billion they could throw around to make this deal happen. Would mm -hmm. they go ahead and try to push for exclusivity on Call of Duty? I think it depends on when they did it because PlayStation, even just like three years ago, was so against the idea of cross platform. Yep. And mm -hmm. then Fortnite came along, and now and then they were like, Forced "Okay, with hand. cross platform." Yeah, like yeah, but then I think I think um, Epic had to pay them a bunch of money in order to make it happen. Um, so there was a deal going on, but like even just like three years ago, PlayStation was so insular and isolated. And it's a bit different these days. I think it's more comfortable with cross-platform and it shows that like it understands the appeal of not just making exclusive games because like now it's make, taking all of its like PlayStation 4 exclusives and porting them to PC and they're doing extremely well on Steam. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't think so, to be honest, especially for something like Call of Duty, which has a huge multi-platform audience. Um... I feel like it would just sort of do like the whole like there's a couple of things that are going to be exclusive here, but we're going to keep it multi-platform. But like if they had bought if they had bought it like five years ago, it would have been exclusive. Absolutely. Yes. I agree. Things have changed a lot. The, the Bungie deal to me was the, the great signifier that PlayStation is completely rethinking their approach to anything, because I would have assumed that Bungie and Destiny, that would be exclusive. 
moving forward. It's not them. They're, yeah. Exactly. They, they have a deal. Part of this contract was Bungie saying, these are going to be wherever we want them to be. If you, you can buy us, but we are going to be multi-platform. We are a multi-platform studio. So PlayStation owns a multi-platform studio in Bungie. And again, like you said, five years ago, that never would have happened. In fact, I will bring this to a very recent development. And this is, again, I don't have the information to confirm this, but there have been reports that Xbox was in conversation with Bungie. And there was a mm -hmm. potential world where Xbox bought Bungie, but part of the reason that Xbox wasn't interested was the price and the fact that they wanted to keep their independence. Xbox mm -hmm. reported Yeah, they were going to pay them less... That than what PlayStation ended up paying for them, which I think was $9 billion, $7 billion. It was a decent amount. And I know yeah, the, the, the scuttlebutt was that Xbox wasn't going to pay that. And Sony did, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so again, we talk about what Xbox would do, what PlayStation would do. And in this day and age, in this climate, we don't know. They are, they are both <laughs> willing to reevaluate how they do their business if it means that they will have a more sustainable business moving forward. PlayStation, known for their single-player exclusive <laughs> bangers, single-player only. PlayStation cares about single-player games, and Xbox doesn't. Now, PlayStation's come out saying, dear God, we need games to service. We're putting out 12 in the next five years. So Yeah, and they're taking, like, Last of Us, and, you know, they're going to have, like the multiplayer Last of Us experience. Mm -hmm. And like that might end up being multi-platform because that's what you do with, with multiplayer games is make them multi-platform. So like who knows really what's going to end up happening. But yes, PlayStation has said like many, many, many times that like the, 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 the strategy of the company over the next few years is going to be expanding into as many areas as they can. Like they have PlayStation Studios, so they're gonna make movies and TV shows. They're gonna do mobile, they're gonna do PC, and they're already doing PC to great effect. Like Days Gone, I feel like did better on PC than it did when it released on PlayStation. Um, God, God of War is really, doing great, yeah. Yep, Death Stranding, I bought on PC even though I own it on the PS5 or, or PS4, um, but it plays on my PS5. So like, I think they're just going to continue doing that. I don't think they're going to be like, no, we're exclusives. Like, no, like they've said that, like we see now that like being on many platforms is good for us. And whether that means like they release a game on PS5 and then it comes to PC later or whatever, like it's going to not be as exclusive as it used to be anymore. Yeah, the times they were changing. Things are a lot different than they used to be. And it makes things a lot more interesting, quite frankly, because I had people telling me there would be no world when I would come on this show a year and a half ago and talk about PlayStation games going day and date. People were like, no way, dude. PlayStation would never do that. And now I think that is not only a possibility, but I think that is inevitable. I think six months from now, going into next year, we are going to start seeing PlayStation games consider doing day and date. We had the announcement for The Last of Us remake that came out and said, you know, we're it's not going to be ready on day one, but there is a PC version that's coming soon after. So that shows mm -hmm. me that they are taking those steps to make sure that that PC version is coming out soon because they tested the waters and they have found out that shocker, um, more people will buy your game. It's not taking away. You're not selling less copies on PlayStation. You're just selling mm -hmm. more copies on PC to people who would never buy it on PlayStation. As long as it's a PlayStation studio, PlayStation's getting money. Yeah. And I think they've realized that, especially like, in the pandemic when people weren't buying consoles because there weren't any um it shows that like you can still make money just by having games on multiple platforms because like 
you know, like if it's a third party game, it's a whole different story. But if it's like a PlayStation Studio first party game, as long as you're releasing it, like PlayStation's going to get money. So like, I think that's all that like, I hope that's like all they're going to care about going forward because I think that's the right call. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll have to see how it goes. But I really do think they're going to stick to that. Yeah. And again, like exclusives are important for the platform more than anything else. They're not so like a lot of people in, on the player side get invested in exclusives, but inherently they're designed to get you to buy a console or get tied into the console. So from a business standpoint, it's exciting. But for me, with any games as a service, I wouldn't care if Sea of Thieves was on PlayStation. Sea of Thieves is massive. Sea mm-hmm. of Thieves is a humongous IP for Xbox. Imagine if they said, here you go, here's a PlayStation version. If they did yep. that, that game would be even bigger. And Microsoft yep. would be sitting back just swimming in cash from game sales and microtransactions. So again, yep. ultimately, it would take development costs. But in the long term, they would just be making more money. So I, will, I do wonder if, like I'm looking at stuff like Pokemon Unite, The Last of Us Factions. What's mm-hmm. going to be the first one, even Halo Infinite, what's going to be the first one that comes out and says, you know what? Pokemon is on Xbox. Here you go. Pokemon <laughs> Unite, free to play game on X, but we don't care. We understand people are going to play it. They're going to spend money wherever it is. We're just going to go wherever it is and make the version. Do you see, who do you think would be the first publisher to make that move and just say, I don't care. Master Chief is on PlayStation. I don't give a damn. But um, It would not be Nintendo. Nintendo is like, Pokemon is Nintendo. Uh-huh. Like, don't, you bet you're buying a machine. We're going to put out the Switch Pro alongside our next Pokemon game, and it's only exactly. going to play on the Switch Pro for 500 bucks. All <laughs> Can right? you imagine? And that um, would be their, like, an idiot day one. Yes! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, like, Nintendo makes all these decisions that are, like, so anti-consumer, but, like, it doesn't affect their bottom line because they have these IP that work so well, and they're such Nintendo IP, like, you know, anything Mario, Pokemon, like uh-huh. Kirby. Uh, Nintendo like, gets away with some wild stuff that PlayStation and Xbox would be crucified for if they tried. Exactly. Like, like Switch, the Switch Online expansion pack is kind of weird. It's like, Not it's it weird. With, it's dumb is what I would say. It's a little dumb. And like, Nintendo's been so bad with like making old games playable. Like they just like they're like, yeah, we're shutting down the 3DS shop. Too too bad. Tough to Sorry. Sorry about it. Most of these games won't exist anywhere. Good luck. Yeah. Like they, they don't care about backwards compatibility, like 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 Xbox does. And like Sony doesn't really either, but Sony's a bit more complicated because of the huge difference in architecture between the PS1 and 2 and the 3. Um, which I know is a whole thing, but like also digital, but whatever um that's a whole other thing but yeah nintendo would never give up pokemon um because nintendo also wants to get into mobile as well um and they've been doing that but like it's been sort of up and down like some Mm -hmm. games have done really well and some games really haven't and pokemon unite um granted is not nintendo it's pokemon company but even still like i don't see that hitting xbox or playstation like that's going to be mobile and switch and that's it um so i think it's going to be you know one of these other studios that's doing that thing like it's not going to be nintendo yeah i do i do wonder like what the next few years are going to look like because so much has happened in the last few years that has fundamentally changed my outlook on what's possible for these big platform holders and what Mm -hmm. they're willing to do to not only make money but get people invested in their their ecosystem in any means possible and Mm -hmm. i think both playstation and xbox understand that 
the the box itself is not how you quote unquote win a generation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Xbox Game Pass Xbox Game Pass for now is winning the generation. It's not the Xbox Series X or the Series S. It's the Xbox Game Pass. And we were curious, like when the new when the next generation was coming in, like what is gonna define this generation of consoles? Because when we first like they first announced the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, it was like, okay, teraflops are gonna be higher. Um, there's gonna be SSDs, so there's gonna be less loading times. Um, but generally speaking, like that's all we really had to go on. We were we didn't really know what would define this next generation of consoles and the jokes on us because it was never about the consoles. It was about services. Um, so the, the war of the console war is dead. Long live the subscription war. That is, Ex that's that, the it phase is we've moved in. It is subscription war all the way down. You it doesn't know? matter like, who, we're... music, movies, gaming. It, exactly. That, that's the world we're in. Food, you know, like. Oh, yeah, like... That's, there are foods. Oh, yeah. Do, do, uh, Blue Apron, whatever it is. Everyone wants you subscribed in like, perpetuity for everything. Yeah, like, oh, I get, like, different wines to my door every month. I, get... I don't need six bottles of wine. Why am I subscribed <laughs> to this? Like the amount of, like, I keep getting ads for this, um, Japanese snack subscription box on my Facebook. And I always see it. I'm like, oh, do I want to pay $50 a month for different Japanese snacks every mm, month? Tempting. Um, so e either way, like, yeah, console is important, but like we're in subscription era, baby. Like this is, it's all about how many subscriptions are you going to have? Are you going to have five? Are you going to have 10? How are you going to handle when you cancel subscriptions versus when you don't? Like, you know, like, I feel like right now it's a matter of like, okay, I looked at my bank statement. Which one of these subscription services can I cancel for now? Because like, you know, like, oh, like I used to watch Jesus and Marrow a lot. And that's why we had a Showtime subscription, but Jesus and Marrow broke up. So there's no more Jesus and Marrow anymore. So we canceled our Showtime subscription or like people being like, I watched Ted Lasso on Apple TV plus, but like nothing else. So like as soon as Ted Lasso is done, I'm canceling Apple TV plus. So like life right now is just juggling subscription services. It, it is. And I've had those conversations a lot recently. I signed up for Paramount to watch Halo. Um, Paramount Plus is low key the streaming service we use the most right now. It's got some bangers on it. it mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, that's the one that has all the jackass movies, right? Currently, yeah. I just recently watched um, all the Mission Impossible's. I think all but one of them are on Paramount Plus. And then I was watching Drag Race All Stars. And then after Halo, we watched um, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds because all the Star Treks are on there. Like, and then it's got like a lot of old Comedy Central shows. So I was watching Detroiters. So like Paramount Plus is like the subscription service we use the most right now, which is crazy. Yeah, that one ended up being surprisingly good. Peacock is one that I canceled immediately. I, th I yeah, forgot I why we signed up. Oh, Eurovision. That's why. We signed up to watch uh, Eurovision yeah. this year. Yeah. Like, All right, cool. Peace. Good luck. Good luck to you. But yeah, like I've gone through and, and canceled some subscription services and been like, do I need this? Do I use this? We used to have the AMC stubs a list where you would uh, go see movies and theaters we were, we were using that consistently for a while but then we're like we don't that was 50 bucks a month for the two of us and yeah plus like amc you're just like i go to you because you're the closest theater but i don't like it because you do. give me 30 minutes of trailers before the movie but maria menudo's she's such a legend <laughs> she's such an I, icon I, I, I always get in right before the commercials end. So the only thing I know about Marie Menounos at AMC is when she goes, I'm Marie Menounos and you are watching newbies or whatever. Newbie. What's new in entertainment? 
Yeah, and then uh, to be fair, like you pay for AMC stubs these days to get the Nicole Kidman uh, intro before your movies. So she re-signed. The big question is, are we getting a hot and fresh new Nicole Kidman spot? I hope not because it's iconic. And I love being in LA because I don't think I can get this experience anywhere else. When I'm in an AMC theater in LA, in certain parts of LA, specifically like Burbank, and that commercial comes on, people cheer. They scream, yeah. They like some of them will quote it alongside Nicole Kidman. It is an experience. And I, it's, beautiful i'm like oh look at us people coming together over a shared beautiful thing <laughs> even heartbreak feels good in a place like even that. heartbreak feels good in a place like that i love it it's so good <laughs> one final question on this pending activision blizzard king acquisition and this is the big one and this is the question people have been asking over and over and over and over and over again and that's what is the likelihood of this deal going through at this point in your eyes? Extremely high. It's going through. Like I, we yeah. know it's going through. Like they're, you know, crossing their T's, dotting their I's. They're doing all the due diligence because it is a big deal. It is a mm-hmm. very big acquisition. There hasn't been anything like it in the games industry. And I think that's part of the reason it'll be a little slower going. But Microsoft, I'm sure, has a team of just the premier elite best of the best lawyers ensuring that there will be no issues. Because if there are issues, I think they lose six billion dollars if this deal doesn't go through. Like they just they're out six billion. Just poof, nothing is gained from that. So there is a lot of people making sure that this is happening and they Mm -hmm. are playing very nice to ensure that whatever you need, we're gonna, you know, make sure it happens. Um, so I'm in the same camp. I really don't see a I mean, it's again, nothing's impossible. Who knows? Yeah. But I don't see a world where this doesn't go. And like the key complaints from uh, politicians in the US about this deal hasn't really been, I mean, they've talked about like the competition aspects of it, but the mm-hmm. main thing has been Activision Blizzard's troubles. Um, it's been sort of like, don't let them off the hook for all the harassment stuff, the union busting, and like how they treat their workers. So that's like really sort of been like, like there was a letter of like many months ago from like, you know, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and they were like, we know you're going to be looking at this deal. Please take note of what Activision Blizzard's up to. Um, and that's like sort of the big conflict with this deal on the governmental bureaucratic mm-hmm. side. But like otherwise, like there's been like besides like, you know, these statements from PlayStation, like generally speaking, that there hasn't really been a ton of conflict in regards to the deal. So I'm plus like the U S doesn't, to be honest, doesn't really care um, about yeah that this, that concern would have to ignore the entire film industry. You exactly. Can't, you can't like, allow they let just... Disney to exist and be like, Oh, sorry, Xbox, you can't do this. Exactly. Like they let discovery and Warner brothers merge. Like they're going to let this through. It's it, fine. <laughs> yeah. By comparison, this is such a small percentage of the number of possible IP and studio compared to a deal like that, where it's look at our web. We have hundreds and hundreds of things under us. You have your Comcast, you have your Disney, where if you look at what they own, it just makes Microsoft look like this obscure piece of just nothing. Yeah, like like no matter what you say of Call of Duty, like Call of Duty is huge. Like it's multi-million dollar, maybe billion dollar industry just on its own. There's Marvel though. Like Marvel and Star Wars and Disney all ne- like makes Call of Duty look like 
peanuts. Like Call of Duty is nothing compared to the Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, Disney juggernaut that no. basically runs entertainment practically right now. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's yeah. it's fine. Xbox is fine. They're, it's going to go through. Yeah, yeah they're going to be just fine. And again, I I do like we touched on earlier. I do believe that Microsoft is going to be a lot better about you know the union they've already come out and said that hey we're not going to interfere with any sort of union activities we will support mm -hmm. any unions in place and we will allow anyone who wants to form a union to form a union um and again this doesn't mean anything in in a, in a broader sense per se but microsoft recently they were voted the best place to work in the united states so i don't think there's a lot of people that can come and look at microsoft and say that this is going to be worse if they come work for microsoft it's going to be worse than activision blizzard I, yeah, do, I, mean, I do want people like Bobby, Bobby Kotick to be sued into oblivion. That would be my ideal world as he just gets sued into nothingness and fades mm -hmm. off into obscurity. That's what I want. Um, yes. But this is America, baby. If you, <laughs> if you are on that level and you do something heinous, you get a nice little golden parachute and you get to just retire. If that's, yep. if, if that, you can be a scummy, horrible, disgusting person your entire career, and then you can get a nice buyout and just be on your way. And that's- Exactly. Do I love it? No. No, do I want it's America, consequences? Baby. Yes, more than anything. But will I get them? No, because I don't God get what I want. God bless America. I mean, look at like the Alex Jones stuff right now, right? Like he was he was ordered to pay like forty four million in like punitive damages for like all the shit he put the Sandy Hook parents through. But like because it's in Texas and there's a cap on how many punitive damages you can actually pay, it's not going to be forty four million. Mm -hmm. It's not even going to be remotely close to forty four million. And he's just going to keep appealing it anyway, so he's never going to pay that money. So like this is America. Like there's Let's no consequences. Go. Yes. Elon Musk is still a thing. Like, there's no consequences. Xbox will be fine. The deal will go through. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, my hope is that I, I just, I can't imagine that Bobby Connick is still an employee no. once this goes through. If but he's he going to get a nice payout. If he is still around, I will be loud. I will be very, very loud about that. Oh, everybody's going to be loud because that guy sucks. And. <laughs> uh allegedly i guess um Alle but, yes allegedly sorry allegedly um but yeah i mean i mean that's the word but it's never been it hasn't been confirmed but the word is that he's out once the microsoft deal goes through so i'm hoping that remains the case because he the fact that he's still involved with the company is absolutely wild to me <sighs> but like yeah like it can't possibly be worse than it is at activision blizzard my concern is that like microsoft seems to be hands-off with their first party studios. So they're gonna have to change a few things once this Activision Blizzard deal goes through in order to like really change that culture if that's what they wanna do. Because what was it, the State of Decay 3 report, I think? Um, there's been a few of those kinds of like similar reports, so I might be getting confused, but like- There was State one about the work culture for, uh, I think it was development of State of Decay 2. Like pre, this was a, based on a few years ago from Undead Labs. Or... Yeah, it was Undead Labs regardless. I just mm -hmm. can't remember. The specifics but the, the part that i am remembering is that like microsoft really didn't get involved in trying to fix a lot of the management issues they like got involved a little bit like to, like after a while um but it was mostly just like hr stuff and then they sort of like they haven't heard, really heard from them since so like microsoft that's like my concern is that microsoft seems hands-off which on one hand is a good thing for studios creatively but on another hand like when you have a company like activision blizzard that has a huge like systemic cultural problem 
and you're like, we're going to accept the unions and everything. Like, it's got to be more than just like, we'll allow the, you to unionize. Like, it's got to be like, yeah. we got to, we got to oust the people that are making problems. We got to like put a system in place that like changes the makeup of the company. Like there's a lot of work that has to go into that. So I'm hoping Microsoft can do that for Activision Blizzard because like there's so many people at that company that deserve so much better than what ABK has given them as we've seen over yes. the past year. Like can you, can you, it's been a year since that harassment lawsuit went public from the DFEH and what's happened since then is basically the deal got announced, the uh, acquisition and you know, based on the recent walkout, there hasn't really been any real change. So not yeah, not nearly enough change. And again, this will be a time where Microsoft cannot afford to be hands off, as you touched on. It's uh, it's that's the main reason when people are talking about the deals that come next and the acquisitions that come next for Xbox. I look at just everything, the, the culture, the climate, the scope of this, and I say. I would be disappointed if they immediately go to another acquisition because it shows me that they're not going to be taking the time to ensure that this is the right culture, this is the right move, and everyone is integrated properly. Because if they're just exactly. looking towards what's next, I'm sorry, it's just it's unsustainable in the sense of being able to acclimate these people, being able to make meaningful changes. Because there are just there's just thousands of employees you have to consider at this point. And mm -hmm. That's not something you can just snap your finger and it's done. Deal's done. Boom, you're here. Keep making Call of Duty. We'll check in on you every couple months and see what's going on. Like, yeah, back, back. like bye. You're on your own. Um, and I've seen like not just in games, but like in general, you have like corporations buying up a bunch of companies. And when you see a corporation buying up so many companies, like sort of like back to back to back, like people get left behind. Like people get like don't get the support they need because like integrating a company is so much work like we work for future and like the we got bought um i think before you were here maybe like around the same time you joined but you know it took a few years to get like fully integrated uh -huh. into our new parent company so like it's a long process it takes a really long time there's so many systems and culture things and, and we were what a few dozen nonsense. employees um we like were like like 60 maybe yeah. like 50 60 people including and then there was like freelancers and all that stuff so like yeah like and these are thousands of people so you can only imagine like how long that's gonna take so i mean i just yeah i hope activision blizzard gets the attention it deserves once the microsoft deal inevitably goes through yeah i've talked to empl current employees from blizzard who are very excited about the deal to go through for the reasons that we touched on they're hopeful that that means their culture will change and so I'm going to be staying in touch with them once this deal closes to see mm -hmm. uh, how that culture changes, what they're trying to do to implement that. Because again, I want to be hopeful and I want to be, you know, I, I'm forever an optimist. You know, I try not to yeah. think the worst of people and situations. So I want to feel that this is in the best interest of a lot of people. But Microsoft and Xbox will need to prove that to me. Exactly. I'm, I'm not the optimist i have no <laughs> optimism left in my body i'm all cynicism and i'm jaded as hell so like i'm looking at this and i'm just like whatever <laughs> like sure like it can't get a lot worse of, i guess you're like i guess like i'm just like you know i i'm waiting for the proof in my hands like i'm waiting for me to talk to people who were active in blizzard 
before and after and they're like oh it's so much better like i'm waiting for that yes like, that's what i want that is my dream more than anything is that those people are stoked and excited exactly and if that exactly. happens cool what mm -hmm. i don't care how call of duty goes forward but as long as that's the case i'll, I'll be happy and i'll exactly. be more you know optimistic about future acquisition whatever but as we move yeah. into what was it called the devolver showcase what they call it the uh oh shoot singular was it the singularity they did make a singularity joke i think but it was like the video game singularity or something yeah. i forget what they called it but, but but yeah at the end the end of that showcase it was every game ever um so good on devolver <laughs> <laughs> Good on Devolver. Okay, well, I, I was, was going to talk about Captaincy and Sea of Thieves, but we've gone over quite a bit, so I'm going to skip that. Yeah. I'll keep it short and sweet. It's dope. If you've played a lot of <laughs> Sea of Thieves, there are reasons to play Sea of Thieves again. Um, there's a lot of money, reasons to spend your gold. If you're someone like me who had millions of gold with nothing to spend it on, now I'm broke. I spent all my gold, and I still have <laughs> things to buy. So check it out. Really fun. Carly. Thanks yes. so much for hanging out. We, this was a, a, a longer one, a little bit of a marathon episode, but we did have some really great stuff to talk about. Appreciate you hanging out early on a Saturday for the <laughs> amazing people who hung out with us. One more time, let them know where they can get where they can find you. Yeah, so um, you know, I'm I'm the head of gaming at Windows Central, Android Central, and iMore, so I'm always around there. Um, I'm at Twitter at Velociraptor, um, spell Velociraptor with an extra C in it. Um, you can also subscribe to Jiggle Physics, uh, wherever you get podcasts. We're podcasts where we recap the week's gaming news and also just talk about nerd stuff and cryptids and just generally have a good time. Um, we're also on Twitter there at JigglePod. Um, and I think that's it. Um, don't try and find me anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> don't try to find me anywhere else. Those are the acceptable <laughs> means of finding me don't perceive me as my general vibe <laughs> like i am not here i can't see me <laughs> oh well appreciate you and that is going to do it for this week's episode yeah of thanks for Channels. having me oh absolutely it was great having you on if you dug the show hit the like button if you were listening on to audio versions of the show you dug the show leave us a review as well it helps feed that that glorious algorithm and in the meantime have a fantastic weekend and we will catch you next week Take care, everybody. Bye.